Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Tarzum. Happy birthday to you. You could tell who the singer was in in this outfit. <laughs> Excellent humans, and welcome to another episode of the Hate Watch Great Watch podcast. Now, we're recording this on our two-year on-the-air anniversary. Uh, Yay. Now, officially two years on the air, um, and this is going to come out on May 19th, which, if the Wikipedia I read is correct, uh, will, is the birthday of director Tarzan Singh. Um, Who's one of uh, mine and Hunter's favorites. Yeah, s- uh, small filmography comparatively to some, but... A lot of fucking bangers. Yeah. Um, Here's the thing. I always appreciate directors that have a strong visual style. Sure. And because I don't know if you knew this about movies, but they're a heavily visual medium. (laughs) Yes, they are. Uh, And yeah. And so like, I, I really enjoy people that like can put together a crew that does, you know, really impressive like you know costuming and set design and all kinds of stuff to just give you an image and so much of his like imagery in his films is just absolutely iconic and you know not something that you you get from your everyday no his (laughs) film i mean so a lot of his film the visual you know impact of his films a lot of it is um he worked with uh, designer uh, Aiko Ishioka. Yes. Um, who we will talk about a little bit more mm-hmm. um, as the as the podcast goes on. Um, but uh, she's most famous, I think, probably for um, the costumes on Bram Stoker's Dracula from 1993 or whichever the Francis Ford Coppola uh, mm-hmm. with with Gary Oldman and Keanu Reeves mm-hmm. and all that. Um, and in fact, the design of Dracula's armor, which is very, uh, it's red and looks very like muscle. Yeah. Like, not like a muscle suit. It has that sinewy, fibrous look to, you know. Yeah. Like an anatomical drawing of muscle. Um, that is, you know, that's in this. That's part of the design in this film as well. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, the costuming in all of his early, fil- Sing's early films, it's just like, like nothing. Like nothing else in film, really. Yeah. Like, now, watching, you know, watching it, maybe if you've never seen um, a Tarzan Singh film and you watch it now, you might be like, oh, it's like what, a, like a, a, a Lady Gaga or this yeah, thing. Well, I was or... going to say, it's on the same order of things like Jupiter Ascending or like... A little? Or like uh, The Hunger Games, where it's just like these big, very costumey... Hunger Games is closer because there's a fashion element yes. to it. The, Jupiter yeah. Ascending is a little bit, just because some of it is a little out there, but okay. Jupiter Ascending kind of looks like Dune to me. All right. Which, again, I would also be 
pulling that for costumes and a, li- for, a little, yeah, know. not. But yeah, this very like alien hot couture, except that none of Tarzan's movies Fuck. were alien in... hot couture, right? Man. Yeah, yeah. That um, is, if I was going to be a designer, that is specifically <laughs> the playground that I play in. <laughs> Holy shit. I'm going back to basics with rings. I want to see the baby. Yeah, I know. Why does he always say that? It has nothing to do with designing. I don't know, but he's great. Alien Hot Couture. Alien Hot Couture wants to see the baby, oh, I guess. Boy. Um But no, I mean, you see what I'm saying though, where where it's like these like yeah, very yeah. you know That's what I mean, like the the, the design the because like fashion, you know, high fashion. Mm-hmm. Met Gala bullshit has yeah. always been kind of out there. Yeah. And, you know, and that's always been like, I, it's, I don't want to say like an open secret, but it's like, that's a part of fashion that not everybody was like, if you're not really into the fashion world, you probably didn't pay that much attention to, you know, you're like aware of it, but whatever. Mm-hmm. But like, to see such like, just wild designs on film in something that's not inherently about fashion or clothing or you know yeah no it's it's just well, like it's amazing it's like nothing it, it, it kind of has like um yoshitaka amano who did the design work for the final fantasy games sure. for a long time like yep. that kind of i believe that's the right name i did not look that up that's just mm-hmm. out of the back of my head but um it's the same sort of like wow look at all these all this detail yeah and you know it's it's not just because well, like we watch a lot of design shows. It's not yeah. just like the the form and the the silhouette. There's also like all these fine details. Yes, fine details, but also like very exaggerated forms. Yeah. Um, and interesting textures and stuff. <laughs> uh, Aiko Ishioka uh, passed away in I believe it was 2012. Yeah. Um. So, you know. Um, but yeah, she was a longtime partner uh, on Tarzan Singh's projects. Yeah, uh, up, up up until I think the last one they worked together was uh, the Snow White with Mirror Mirror. Yeah, probably was Mirror Mirror. I believe that yeah. was it. Also great. <laughs> also, yeah, I really like. <laughs> yeah, that was actually really good. I, you know, okay. Um, again, like just like we talked about Guillermo del Toro, kind of his whole oeuvre a little bit when we did uh, Pacific Rim. Mm-hmm. We are talking a little bit about all of Tarzan Singh's work, but really can't recommend it enough. Yeah. Like, he even did the movie Immortals, which is fine as a movie, but, like, it, it just, it visually, it's really, really fucking interesting. Yeah. Um, It looks like a bit of a ripoff of 300, mm-hmm. but I feel like that was a Studio Notes thing. Like, hey, 300 made bank, so if you want to do a Greek epic make it look like 300 and he was like sure i can play in this space but i'm still gonna make it my yeah. own there's a lot there that because like i didn't realize he had directed that at first like mm-hmm. when that, i remember when those trailers were coming out and i was like oh this has some cool visuals but like it just looks like a 300 rip yeah and i didn't love 300 that much i was like eh, probably gonna skip it if i had known if i was aware that it, if it you know if it made itself aware to me like from the director of the cell and the fall comes yeah. you know i'd be like oh shit i'm going to see this i also feel like the immortals maybe had some stuff done in editing that made it look more like 300 because it's not really his usual palette no no that's that, you know I, who's to say yeah. yeah i don't know um that's what i mean it seems like not his conscious choice yeah. although, although i mean know, same thing selfless was like that too well yeah selfless i think was him trying to not work in such a visually fantastical realm. Right. So I wrote a whole paper for Movie John 
on Tarzan Singh. It's called Phantasmagoria, something something about Tarzan Singh, written by me. You can look it up on the Movie John site, moviejohn.com. Um, but yeah, so you can you can read that. That's around there somewhere. Mm-hmm. And uh, I talk a little bit about the visual, you know, style of each film. Tarzan Singh was like a, a, a oh shit, I just had the word and I lost it. He was a, uh, a, he and David Fincher came up together. There was a compatriot or whatever was the word I was looking for. It's mm. in there somewhere. But mm. um, yeah, he and he and David Fincher, uh, you know, are friends. They've, you know, worked together and worked in the same areas around the same time. They both were doing music videos at the same time and, you know, and all that. Um, and when Tarzan isn't, doing such like fantastical visuals he has a very david fincher aesthetic sure yeah um there's a certain like assuredness of camera motion well so here's the thing that i didn't notice until this watch that i found super interesting is that some of his most like daring camera movements don't happen in the like brain space world they happen in the banal world like yeah, the the you know the real everyday, world. So the real world. Yeah, we'll get into the plot, and, but there there is the parallel sort yeah. of worlds. There's yeah, and the I brain mean like world. Well, and I mean like there's a there's a couple of like big camera movements in there, but like some of like the most impactful oh, no. ones yeah. are like done in the real space, which I find funny that like yeah, he's almost yeah. using these big, you know, weird tilts and sweeping motions and slow motion to make the like well, real was... world more interesting while the brain space can 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 be as weird as it wants to be and sure. it doesn't need any extra like brainscape plaintiveness or let's, let's you know. figure out the exact terminology for this okay brain brain world okay kind of sounds like mario brothers all right it's so squishy because he's walking on brains yeah yeah uh brain space brainscape Oh boy! Like what do we want? Dream world, fantasy. It's not really yeah, a fantasy because well, yeah. it's not. No, I know. We will get into the plot. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, they they'll figure it out. If anybody's seen the movie, you know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah, you know exactly just, what I'm saying. I'm just riffing. Um, <laughs> but as we said, uh, Tarzan was a uh, music video director, and I, I'm pretty sure commercials. I, I looked up his you know resume, and it's, and it's hard to find commercial credits uh, on like IMDb. There's, it's not like he directed a MasterCard commercial, but if you look in articles and interviews, sometimes someone will have found something. Sure. Um, so I know he did some commercial stuff and all his, like the real world directing in this feels very commercial because it's like commercials 30 seconds long or whatever. And they want you to be visually arrested by something yeah. um, so that you pay attention. And at the end they go MasterCard and you go, Oh, maybe I want a MasterCard. You know, mm-hmm. like yeah. that's the whole point. That's what, you know, like, a commercial will either be funny or, you know, it'll try and, like, honestly scare you into yeah. their thing. Like, your kids could fucking die yeah. if you don't buy MasterCard. Yeah. Shop with MasterCard and we'll save your children or, or whatever. Or uh, your warm jingles that you're just yeah. sitting there, you know, uh, freecreditreport.com. Yeah, that's whatever. a holdover yeah. from radio. Sure, yeah. Sure, yeah. yeah. But, um, but still very effective. Yeah, yeah, I mean... That's more yeah. about advertising. Like we're All just right. talking now. We're just talking about advertising, which yeah. is fine. But but yeah, there's usually some element that's supposed to be something that can live in your head. Yeah, something where you're like, hey, did you see that thing? And you can tell your friends, and then they'll have to look up. Especially in in the YouTube era, they'll oh, yeah. have to look up the commercial, and then the commercial gets more views, and then it seems like it's more successful when it's like, I don't give a fuck about Mastercard, but man, I never saw that you know a helicopter shot before. That was awesome. You know, like mm-hmm. whatever. But yes, there are. I, I saw this film in theaters with my dad. My dad took me because oh it just looked cool. I think I'm not sure if I or he suggested it, but we both mm-hmm. were like, "Yeah, it looks great." And we went and saw it. It was rated R. It was the year 2000, which means I was like 17, I think. 
Is that how time works? Yes. So I was like, ooh, radar, radar moving my dad. Boy, I hope it doesn't get sexy. Yeah. Um, it kind of does, but in a uh, weird, in a weird serial killery way yeah. that's like yeah. less awkward and just more like, ooh, that's fucked up, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, American culture and stuff, violence is fine, but God forbid anybody's fucking. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I mean, just nobody wants to sit there, especially at seventeen when I you're know, just all with hormones your dad and with all your the parents tits are out. and yep. and just watch anything sensual. Yep. Like, you would rather watch, like, a weird, you know, serial killer, like, murder jerk-off session than, like, you know, two people consensually making erotic love. Because you're just like, this is, this is too much. So here's the thing about the jerk-off thing. Apparently that wasn't in the original release because they were afraid of it getting an NC-17. Oh, yeah. For the, the, the suspension yeah. scene. I Got, saw that movie, like, I don't know, yeah. I don't know how many times I've seen it, and it, yeah. it did not dawn on me the first handful of times that that was, what was, that he was actively jerking off. Yeah. I assumed he was, because uh, he kind of does this, like, twitchy, he's suspect, yeah. we'll get to it, mm-hmm. but, like, he does this twitchy thing, and then he clearly has an orgasm, um, and I just thought it was a pain thing. Uh-huh. I just thought the pain was getting him off. Yeah. Um, and then every, like, at some point I was like, no, I think his, I think his, uh, uh his arm is a-doing something. Sure. But yeah, so apparently it was released with that footage in the UK. And during the Blu-ray release, and I guess later pressings and stuff of the cell, they added it back in quietly and didn't actually... Tell anybody. Yeah. So it extended it from, I forget, like 107 minutes to 109 minutes running time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, even when that was on screen, I'm like, oh, wow, I forgot about that part. Yeah, yeah. I mean... (laughs) All right, let's go yeah. through the plot of The Cell. All right, well, yeah, so anyway, yeah, we're talking about The Cell from the year 2000, directed by Tarzan Singh, and I mentioned Rated R. Rated R. Very Rated R. Rated R. Yeah. Also was, was reading in the IMDBA trivia that part of the reason why it got greenlit was that Silence of the Lambs and The Sixth Sense had both predated it and done very well commercially. Yeah, if you have seen this movie, and if or if you've ever listened to other podcasts talk about this movie... It gets shuffled off as kind of a Silence of the Lambs rip, mm-hmm. which, like, yes, it is, but also in the time post this, that's what all of television has become. Oh, yeah. We do that all the time. Yeah, this this sort of this procedural thing with, like, a serial killer that has, like, a dramatic MO, usually a ba- tragic backstory, mm-hmm. and all that stuff is also present in Silence of the Lambs, obviously, um, that's basically the progenitor for, you know, modern procedurals. And this is definitely riding on that. But it has this whole other added element that is, like, fucking incredible. It's very... We'll get there. It just it looks amazing. Uh, basically, at first we have two parallel stories. One is uh, Jennifer Lopez. Yeah, this is J-Lo. 2000, baby. This is the height of the J-Lo explosion, mm-hmm. where everybody's like, we're, she's super hot right now. Yeah. Albums are you know coming out. She's dominating the airwaves. Yeah. We can put she, her in movies. She's she, going to wear that green dress in a few years. Yeah. Like... Because I think that was, what, like 2004? I don't know, but that sounds right. Yeah, yeah. something like that. But yeah, you know, um, she's everywhere. She's, you know, at this point she was in in or about to be in a handful of different movies mm-hmm. um, uh, to varying degrees oh, yeah. of success. Uh, I don't... I don't a bunch of like kind of not... Well, I guess they're okay, but like a bunch of rom-coms that I don't care yeah. about. <laughs> yeah, I mean like she did some not great stuff. And like I'm not trying to diss jennifer lopez i think she's very good in some stuff but not in everything sure and i don't know what the i don't know enough about her to get an idea of like oh it's because she doesn't really care about this project as opposed to that one 
but um, she's not terrible. Like I think I think people always have a, a an aversion to anybody from any other like level of celebrity that tries to act. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, you're a musician and you want to be an actor. Oh, you're this and you want to be an actor. You're a dancer. You want to be you know, like whatever. Mm-hmm. Oh, you were a TV star and you want to be a movie star. Like people are it. it it's all bullshit and yeah. and it's like well just let him give him a shot fuck you also some of our favorite actors are not that good yeah <laughs> you know like um like that's I, why character actors a whole fucking subset and stuff yeah. and you have like the distinction between i mean really like, character actor actors movie star character actor is only a subset because uh they don't they're not handsome enough to uh, be yeah. a marquee but they're mm-hmm. like oh man you're a great actor it's too bad you're like i don't know a little weird looking or like a little heavy or too skinny or whatever or ginger because like when was the last time you had a ginger marquee movie star Exactly. So, um, uh, women. Yeah, women yeah. get w- women a little bit allowed. of a pass. Yeah. You know, I'm still waiting for that Conan O'Brien vehicle. So, Jennifer Lopez is a child psychi- psychiatrist or therapist? Yeah. A psychiatrist are people that can prescribe medicine, so they're actually like medical doctors. Okay, uh, so she's so a, she'd psychologist. Be a psychologist. Okay. And she's involved in this, uh, you know, bleeding edge technology of. You know, it's a normal movie sci-fi conceit of like, hey, we got this thing, and you can go into the patient's brain um, and interact with them in there because, you know, they are otherwise comatose or, you know, I guess potentially the idea is that like, oh, if they're like severely autistic and unable to communicate, this way you can communicate with them in a space that allows you to do so. Yeah. Their own mind. Ooh, it's 2000, guys. Like, you got a grade on a curve. This is a 2000s idea. Mm-hmm. And this is where the uh, Aiko Ishioka uh, Dracula's armor suits come in, because that's what they they put you in this suit, which uh, helps stimulate, you know, you so that you feel what you're feeling in the, we'll say, dream world. It's At one point, Dylan Baker, uh, character actor Dylan Baker, all but says to Vince Vaughn, who's also in this, hey, you know, it's basically Nightmare on Elm Street rules. If you start to believe that this is completely real... Right, then if you this, stop being aware yeah. that you're in a dream simulation thing to do psychiatry, yeah. psychology... Yeah, then if you die in the dream, you die in real life. Exactly. Like, <laughs> Which, again, very familiar conceit. Like This is yeah. playing with a lot of familiar conceits, and it's but it's doing them, I think, A, because they're in there, but also, like, as shorthand, we don't have to spend 25 minutes talking about, like, oh, this and that. They assume you know because it's from other movies you know. Yeah. And what they really, you know, want to get to, what Tarzan really wants to get to is this, uh, you know, this dream world. We see her initially uh, working with Edward, who is a, a boy who was traumatized after some sort of accident. Well, not just traumatized. He's comatose. He's comatose. I mean, like, that's what I said. Like, yeah. they're all... They're... Yeah, there's physical trauma. Yeah. Um... But then also there's maybe emotional trauma where he's kind of locked in. Yeah, so she's um, trying to unpack that with yep. him. Uh, it may or may not involve a sailing accident because there is a lot of references to yep. boating. And then also his, like, I don't know, dark side that's keeping him locked up has, like, uh, seal features in certain... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a seal monster. El- elements, Calls yeah. it the mucky luck. Parallel to that. And they're also about to lose their funding because they haven't gotten results in X amount of months. And the, you know, the... the 18. Ve- doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> the very rich father who is funding this thing, Edward's father, is about to stop funding it. Yep. Um, so there's that. And then parallel to that, Vince Vaughn back went, and I like Vince Vaughn. I got nothing against Vince Vaughn. But there was a period of time early in his career where he was trying to be an actor. He was actively putting in effort to act. And then he sort of bottomed out. He was still in things occasionally, but he wasn't trying anymore. Mm-hmm. And then... 
good for him, bad for other people, I guess. Other, bad for cinema. He uh, hit old school where he realized he doesn't really have to try. He could just be Vince Vaughn. He's kind of charming. He just always has to play a dick. And so then he just coasted for a long time. And then I think more recently he's getting back into, like, trying again. Yeah, well, also, I think this was, like, early in his career where he's trying not to be typecast as just a funny guy all the time. Yeah. Um, and he is like, you know, he's the grizzled detective, which is such a fun, weird thing to see Vince Vaughn do. Well, not just the grizzled detective, but like we get some backstory about how he used to be a DA. Yeah, yeah. And... Oh, yeah. I was going to yeah. go into that okay. at some point when we do the sure, whole thing. Sure, but sure. Um, I'm just saying broad strokes. It's yeah. fun to see him as this role. Yeah. Uh, he's, you know, stubbly and kind of morose and like grim. And he kind of talks like this a lot, like yeah. a little bit. It's... Well, and very then, not bubbly Vince Vaughn that you're used to from most things. And then he's also very able to act out of his depth, which he does get to at a few points. Yeah. But he's just through sheer force of like will and trying to do the right thing is going to power through. Yeah. So he's on the trail of uh, a serial killer who has been abducting women for a while. And when they show back up, they are now bleached white and well drowned. Yeah, they're Water always the lungs. Yeah, they're yeah. always drowned and whatever, whatever, whatever. Okay, it's just a typical serial killer thing. He's got an MO, it's really fucked up, uh, you know, he's accelerating. Yeah, that's the so... thing, is like, th- he says at one point, like, this time he only waited X amount, like, f- four weeks or whatever. And he's like, he's accelerating either because, you know, he thinks we can't catch him or, you know, something's coming. Like, that kind of thing. Like, And that's actual, real serial killer psychology oh yeah a lot of the stuff that they're you know going through in the whole like rundown yes in this the, is what you'll see in any serial killer film but and also stuff. it's yeah it's, it's real yeah, like it's, yeah, it's you the know quantico profiling stuff. yeah it's that mind hunter shit so yeah he wants to he wants to catch you know obviously he wants to catch him in general but he really wants to catch him now because mm-hmm. he's accelerating now who's the serial killer played by hunter oh baby can't get enough rio Vincent D'Onofrio. Yes, and you love to see him. I fucking I love Vincent D'Onofrio in no, everything. I know. I've literally never seen him in something where I was like he was not good in it. No, I know. Like I, you know, we talked about I, 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 I like J Lo just fine. I like Vince Vaughn just fine. But I've never seen a bad Vincent D'Onofrio performance. Yeah. At all. I know. We watched Mystic Pizza like two months ago. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, I hadn't seen it since I was way younger. Totally forgot he was the boyfriend in that. He's pretty good in that. Yeah. <laughs> That's like a like maybe his first role. Yeah, yeah, he's so goddamn good. Yeah, and he's great. This is in this. what a, a couple of years before Men in Black, or is it right after Men? Oh, in Black? Men in Black's ninety six. Ninety six. So this is... Oh wow. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, this is four years afterwards. And stuff, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, he's already on a couple people's radar, probably. Oh, definitely. <laughs> Being... Yeah, and... he's great in this. He kind of looks like Neil Young. Yeah. Well, so uh... <laughs> he's got weird Neil Young hair. <laughs> That's the... not only is he you know a serial killer, but also like he's portraying sort of a fractured psyche so at different points he's sometimes being very larger than life and like this you know yeah, once we evil get into avatar the, once we get himself. into the dream world yeah it's very yeah. crazy so and yeah he's just nailing it <laughs> because he can play creepy very very easily yeah he's an actor that's not afraid to try yeah. things and take big swings which yep. is why i think i like him yeah like and also, like, just like I fucked up the psychiatrist, psychologist, that like, I, I'm not gonna, I'm sure I'm not gonna use all the correct, like, terminology and things, because we're talking about, like, a lot of the psychological issues and stuff. Yeah, well, also, so, not all of them are real. No, 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 but also, like... <laughs> no, I mean, I'm like, just in, saying, in this movie, some I, things are, uh, yeah. you know, made up for the film. Okay, I but didn't... my point is, yes. no one's gonna get mad if I fuck up a fake thing. Yeah. 
They're not gonna be like, oh, the name of the thing was actually di-. nobody cares. Sure. Oh, it's not in gen. It's it's just like whatever. Yeah. But like people might get mad if I fuck up a real thing. Sure. So what I'm trying to say is, please bear with me. Okay. Like this is not my field. Yeah. Uh, movies are my field. So, like, I'm going to talk about the movies. Mm-hmm. And, like, trigger warning if this is a thing that, you know, may set you off. Like, the movie, the backstory and stuff has a lot of, like, abuse, child abuse, you know. There's uh, sexual abuse and stuff, like, in it. If that's where you want to turn off the podcast, I understand. Yeah. Thanks for listening. We'll be back in two weeks. But, yeah, so, in general, just please bear with us. In the plot, they do eventually, like, they find D'Onofrio. His name is Carl Starger. And he is comatose because he has a medical condition that... Yes, it's a made-up medical condition that they call Whalen's infraction. Yeah. It probably should have been infarction. Sure. Just because an infraction's an incomplete fracture of a bone. Yeah. Whereas an infarction is like a blockage of an artery. Yeah. Um, Like what Dr. House had yeah. in House. Um, but so... Basically, it's, yeah, it's a made-up condition that it's supposed to be, like, a rare form of schizophrenia that also includes, like, brain trauma, and it's supposed to have an onset during some sort of traumatic experience involving water. water. yeah. Um, There's a lot of water in this movie. There is. Um, it's a very wet movie. <laughs> I guess so, yeah. It is. Yeah. It's a very um, drippy movie. Yeah, but so, as a result of... The like breach Ooh, or whatever. Ooh, speaking of the devil, just talk about how wet it is. It's starting to rain. Oh, anyway, you did that. I did that. Power is increasing. Mm, um, yeah. We also brought back Mudvayne. <laughs> we, we also did. We some. I'm sorry to the world. This is going to come out a few weeks after this has happened, but we talked extensively about Mudvayne. Only to the next day find out that they apparently are reuniting now. Sorry. Yeah. Wow. Uh Oh boy. And then I just talked about Mudvayne and thunder rolled outside. So. Hey, as long as I'm having summoning these abilities, you know what's weird? When somebody puts a bunch of fucking no strings attached hundred dollar bills through your mailbox and there's no problems and you can just keep that money, isn't that weird? Oh, don't turn this in. Oh god, I can't remember his name. The luckiest man in South Philly. What? The guy that fell all that money out of that armor truck. Uh, John Cusack. Um, no, it's not. Well, but it was the, the movie. movie. I know. I know. I know. Joey Coyle. Joey Coyle, yeah. As so the thing was fucking me up was I couldn't think of the name of the movie, and if I could have remembered the name of the movie, I would have remembered it. It's called Money for Nothing, like the yeah. Dire Straits song. Your kicks for free. Yep, and John Cusack plays Joey Coyle. Uh, but yes, uh, if you want to know more about Joey Coyle, it ends on kind of a down note. It's not a it's not a happy ending story, but no, which is uh, why I'm saying that the, Hunter shouldn't be asking for free money. <laughs> but get the uh, episode um, from the Legends of Philadelphia. Hi, fellas. Yeah, uh, hi. Possibly future guests. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. When we can figure out. I mean, how a to third do of them are past and future guests. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You. Yeah. yeah. All right. Beerman's been on the show. That's that's like the less weird way to say that. That's a really roundabout way. A third of them are past and future guests. Uh-huh. Is the weirdest way to say that Beerman has been on the show. Bjorn's been on the show. Yeah, there Hi, you Bjorn. Go. Um, <laughs> he also does that one. Why are you a fucking sphinx now? That was a riddle that you <laughs> just unloaded at us. Answer me these questions three. You also paused at a weird spot where you were like, a third of them have passed. And I was like, oh my god. <laughs> I was like, who died? I didn't hear about this. <laughs> and then you continued. And I was like, oh, thank the Lord. 
thanks, sweet Satan, that they are all still alive, my good friends, oh, South Fellini boys. Anywho. So, yes. God, so, we got so far away from what I was talking about. What was I talking about? Was, I, I made a point to mention oh. there's no strings attached money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There were strings attached to the Joey Coyle money. Ah, uh, I guess. There were federal strings. Yeah, It was sure. not his money. Sure. That's how that string works. Okay. <laughs> Right. That's what we call string theory. Okay. It's not. Um, so somebody please put a bunch wasn't. of your own money into our mail slot. Yeah, maybe, I don't know, maybe there's a secret millionaire in South Philadelphia that nobody knows about, lives in like a crummy house that doesn't look like a millionaire lives there, and, and they're just walking around being like, I'm going to pick houses at random, put money through the, the mail slot, or in the mailbox, we don't have a mail slot, so mailbox. And they're just like, oh, like their mailbox is pretty cool. And then they drop a couple. That would be how we'd get a couple of hundred dollars. Yeah. From some random person walking be around. Being like, I like that mailbox. It's a decent sized mailbox. You can fit a couple uh-huh. grand in there. You know what? Try it. Mm-hmm. Try it, listeners. <laughs> See how much money you can fit in our mailbox and then leave. <laughs> leave that amount of money in there. <laughs> anyway. Oh, boy. So, um. Yeah, anyway, so this. Carl Starger has this yeah. mental break. Uh, well, it's not even just a mental break, but it's like a physical. It's, yeah, it's thing like a seizure happens. and then. Yep. Yeah. Um, yep. And, and now he is comatose. Yeah, there. Yeah, there's a doctor specifically. Like, he's not even catatonic. He is like lights are on. Nobody's home. Luckily, the uh, the doctor. Oh, he's played by Pruitt Taylor Vince. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of great character actors in this. Um, yes. Pruitt Taylor Vince is another one. Um, he's in Constantine, which I love, and he's in Identity. Speaking of John Cusack, mm-hmm. um, and a bunch of other things, many many other things. Great actor. Um, and he does a small part, but he is you know familiar with. Uh, Dylan Baker and Marianne Jean-Baptiste, I believe her name is, mm-hmm. um, who we just watched in In Fabric. Yes. Which is a great movie. Yes. Free plug for In Fabric. If you all can yeah. find In Fabric, please was, watch it. I was actually wondering why she looked so familiar. I'm like, she must just be in a bunch of stuff, which I mean, she is. She is, but, yeah. yeah. And also, yeah. I'm sure that at times in my life, I have uh, mistaken her for CCH Pounder. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because they yeah. also play similar roles in some stuff. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, this could have gone to, you know, it's like one of those, oh, this character actor or that one. Yeah. Um, but, so yeah, then they're in charge of the, the J-Lo dream machine. Machine, yeah. Yeah. The dream machine. <laughs> you come to me in my head. Yeah. The dream machine. I don't know how to finish this. Coming to therapize me oh no that's yeah, better i don't know i didn't have a good it's better i didn't want to say bed because they're not in a bed and that would be inaccurate i didn't want to say dead because that's dark <laughs> yeah yeah have we talked about like so they're in these uh muscle suits and they get like suspended yeah in, in these little sling things to, yeah so that it's full range of motion so kind of like we just did um yeah previous episode we talked about uh pacific rim and stuff and them having like this weird little uh like platformless room where they're just sort of stepping on these things and this is sort of the same thing but horizontal where they are suspended suspended. yeah Um, from the ceiling they start off laying on wow this rain is really coming down yep they um they start so sorry if there's any background rain noise we have no control over the weather someday they're on these like blocks uh tables and then you know they're hooked in there's like you know rings on the hips and there's like little straps that hold up the legs and arms and stuff and yeah, yeah they're fully it's, suspended it's like and then when the... you see somebody in traction when they have um like a, a broken foot sure. and they have it elevated uh, and then the tables lower into the floor and they're just floating there yeah um, it's real cool so they got a uh, little silver uh face handkerchief thing that's yeah. got like circuitry on it that i guess helps you like 
with the visuals or whatever. I don't really even know how that's supposed to work, but yeah. Yeah, they don't really explain it, but yes, it's a it's a cloth that clearly has like yeah circuitry uh, woven into it. And at one point, they're like going into the dream space. Uh, visualization is like looking at the circuitry and then going through the circuitry and then coming out. Actually, it might be um might be J Lo going in the starter's head. So Pruitt Taylor Vince is aware of this, and mm-hmm. he puts the, these two halves of the story together, and then the rest of the movie is J-Lo going in the starter's head, trying to basically trying to find out the location of the last girl he kidnapped. His whole serial killer MO setup, you know, death machine thing, is a giant glass tank that slowly fills with water. Yeah, it's it's got... on a timer, it's automated, and he's got video cameras filming it 24-7 so they can watch the videos later, because he's a pervy serial killer. That's his, that's his, that's his jam. Um, and then they drowned, and then when they're drowned, and they're dead, he uh, bleaches them, and then he has suspension rings in his body. Body modification suspension rings, which is yeah. a thing, if you're Piercings not aware. along his back. Yeah, and arms and legs and shit. Yeah. And, and then he hooks himself up to uh, a bunch of hooks... And then suspends himself above them and, and jerks off on them and whatever. And then uh, dumps them in the water somewhere and then eventually, you know, the police find them and that kind of thing. Uh, he also has an albino dog named yeah. Valentine. It's not really albino. It's not really, but it's a white but, dog and they yeah. say it's an albino in the movie, yeah. so I'm going to go ahead and say an albino dog. Yeah, Vince Vaughn has a nice line with that when they discover that it's got... Um... I forgot what the technical term is, but yeah, basically like hypopigmentation, where it's yeah. all white and stuff, and Vince Vaughn just goes, he'd love a dog like that. Yeah. <laughs> it's very uh, Jodie Foster. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Like, it, it's very Jodie Foster. Yeah. It was good. Yeah, That's it's not good. bad at all. Yeah. Good line read. Good job. Yeah, again, this is when he was, like, trying. He was trying stuff out. Yeah. And he was really, like, he does good good performances when he tries. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad, like, we, we watched Freaky, which I don't think is, like, a fantastic movie. I, I don't want to rain on anybody's parade. But, like, I get it, and it's just fine for me. But um, mm-hmm. I know a lot of people really loved it, and that's great. But I think he's really good in it. Yes. I think he gives, like, a really good, fun performance. Yes, I would agree. So, yep. okay, so that's the plot of the movie. Do you, what do you want to talk about? This isn't even, like, my favorite Tarzan Singh film. It's still just, like amazing to look at yeah um it opens really strong um with these you know no context visuals of this like incredibly orange desert this incredibly blue sky uh jennifer lopez in a white dress on a horse on a black horse yeah Yeah, so it's very like it's beautiful visually stunning Um, yeah this in and of itself could be a painting and she gets off the horse and then she walks away from it and when she looks back the horse is now just a toy horse and there's just amazing, like, I'm going to post a lot of photos, hopefully, uh, you know, if I have time to take more than yep. are available readily online. Sure. Um, but, like, there's so many amazing shots in this. Yeah. Um, there's also a lot of, like, artwork recreations. Yeah, um, there's a lot which, of visual nods. Like, I, you know, part of me, like, feels like that's a little, like, lazy shorthand, but at the same time, like, that is a way to get the dreamlike and the subconscious kind of feel out there. Well, I think you know, you're quickly. trying to tap into, you know, it's like having a, 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 not a vision board necessarily, but like a lookbook or something. Sure, yeah. Where you're like, oh, this is the mood I want to create this from this painting or whatever. And then you're just like, well, can I just do kind of this? Yeah. Um. So we watched, a, like a year ago, we watched uh, Society, mm-hmm. a horror movie from the uh, 80s. I think it's directed by Brian Usna. If I'm rem- I don't remembering recall. correctly, but um, it's a weird movie. I'm not going to go into the whole thing, but it ends with a crazy alien orgy where the, all their flesh melts together. Um, it's not like uh, like a 
bad flesh melting. It's not like they get sprayed with acid. They're like having crazy alien sex, which involves like all their flesh melting together sensually. Yes. Um, but there's at least one shot in it that is like a hundred percent. Um, I believe it's soft construction with boiled beans by mm-hmm. Dolly. Dolly. Yep. Um, it's not exactly that painting, but it has the same composition. It's right. just using like a bunch of weird floppy rubber human body glops. Uh, <laughs> And it's great. And I was like, oh. And this is kind of that. There's um, uh, visual references to... Um, Escher. Escher, Damien Hurst. Yes. Uh, and what was the... Uh, I have it here. Hang on. Um, Odd Nerdrum. Odd Nerdrum. Yeah, there's definitely a few in there. Yeah. Uh, honestly, the Escher is so ubiquitous with, like, dreamscape imagery that, like, I don't even... It doesn't even register to me that it's, like, yeah. a reference anymore. Sure. No, I know. Well, because, like, yeah, he does, like, a lot of, like, the, you know, tessellations and stuff like that. So you see that in, like, other films like The Labyrinth. And yeah. in, like, uh, Labyrinth I was mean, the one that I was like, oh, shit. And, I mean, maybe also um, um, Hellraiser 2 might have had elements of that in... Uh... In the Labyrinth of Hellraiser 2? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's a giant labyrinth. Yeah. Yeah. But so, I mean, like, you know... Anytime you get a labyrinth, you're dangerously close to doing an Escher. Yeah, uh, and um, a bit of those in um, uh, the Thief and the Cobbler, they do oh, yeah. like those those um, visual like uh, eye tricks and stuff, and a lot of them are informed yeah. by like Escher and other like artists that work in tessellations and things like that. Yeah, God, I want to get a yeah. copy of Thief and the Cobbler. Yeah, but yeah, so I mean, yeah, this this sort of trippy visuals and stuff. That's yeah, you know, yeah, that's that's who you reference. It's par for the course. Yeah. Sure. Yep. Um, I think there's also probably some allusions to Magritte in this and. Um... A couple other, just because they're so ubiquitous with dream imagery. Sure, sure, sure. Um, Tarzum directed the video for R.E.M.'s Losing My Religion. Yeah, and which so there's... he 100% just sets a whole scene in basically the same set from that video. Yeah. <laughs> which is great. And like, yep. you know, it, it's because it, it's great. It looks great. It's, yeah. You know, there's also a lot of like stagecraft at play in these. Um, Yes. Dream sequences, you know, there's well, stuff a like... a lot of things are done practically, right. and so, yeah, it's it's playing with perspectives and with, um, like, positioning where and, you can turn around and be somewhere else. Yeah, and it's also doing just playing with, like, symbolism and, 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 you know, how much do you need for this to read as whatever. So, like, that, that Losing My Religion video thing is in... somewhere in Starger's head in one of his flashbacks, and um, it's got, you know a back wall with an open window and it's raining outside, but it's not really an open window. It's just a box on the far side. And when you, you know, get close to it, you can see that it's like a textured back mm-hmm. and there's just water dripping. It's not yeah. really raining. There's just water dripping, you know, in this thing. There's also some stuff with, um, sea or boat imagery where there's just a, a line of fabric, you know, stretched across the bottom of the frame that is just like flapping in the breeze or being, you know, being moved that mm-hmm. symbolizes, you know, waves, water. But it's not trying to pass it off as water. It You can just tell that it is, like, at one point you see that it's just like a, a roll of cloth hung in a tree that's stretched across to another tree. Right. But it's just supposed to be like, this is the symbology of, of you know, what we're doing. But that's actual stagecraft. Those are, you know, real tricks you would use if, build, if you were building a set on stage. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, as you said, it's... Almost all practical effects. There's some, you know, CG yeah. and some wire work and some CG augmented things, sure. but like way less than you would get if this were made, you know, now. Yeah. Oh yeah. Ton and of... therefore, much better. Yeah. A ton of it is just, you know, 
Yeah, just costumes cost- and locations. Co- yeah, yeah, costuming and makeup and yeah, like they do so much stuff to Vincent D'Onofrio in this to get. He him has to so look. many looks. It's it's amazing, and they're all amazing. They're all great. Yeah, they're all really good. Even that wig they have him in is convincing. Oh, the Neil the, Young wig. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. In that scene, in the losing my religion scene. He's got his shirt off and he's got like, uh, like you know, jeans on or whatever. Yeah. And I was like, he really looks like Neil Young here for some reason. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, it really, it's a real Neil Young vibe. I mean, like J Lo has like a couple of outfits, but like she kind of gets upstaged by <laughs> Vincent D'Onofrio in terms of just like. Yeah, well, because for yeah. her, for like half of her, um, going into the dream space, like, well, with Edward in the beginning, it's just like a big elaborate like white dress. Yeah. Which is like cool, but. It doesn't read as, like, crazy. And neither right. does his dream space. Like we said, it's it's the very orange desert. And, you know, I guess in their previous session they had discussed going sailing. But now they're in a desert. And, you know, they're on this very white plain with these, like, black dead trees. And she's trying to convince, like, hey, I thought we were going sailing, Edward. Like, you promised me. He sort of, like, looks a little. He doesn't speak, the kid. But, um, and then you hear, like, the sound of a, like, oil tanker. Like that, like, boat like uh-huh. rocking noise yeah and then it like cuts over and there's like a rotted rusted out oil tanker in the desert yeah and you know this is part of her therapy thing where she's just like well that one's much too old and so then like it's a little toy boat toy boat mm-hmm. it's one of the words i like to say yeah toy boat and she goes oh this will do and you know their session gets sort of interrupted edward you know, doesn't doesn't really want to go sailing because that will force him to uh, address whatever it was that um, led to his trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's reticent to do that. Uh, so then she gets pulled out. Um, they have this. They've injected like a little. Um, it looks like a little holographic tab of acid. Um, <laughs> no, she, yeah, she's got a little microchip yeah, on the webbing between her, her thumb, thumb and, and pointer. Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. And then it, when you're in the dream space, you can press that. And it'll bring you out. That's your ejector seat. And then when you're waking up to make sure that your, you know, brain is all in the right order, um, they have like a, a call and response, call and response thing. thing. Yeah, which yeah. is uh, sing a song of sixpence, a pocket full of rye, four and twenty blackbirds baked in a pie. Uh, so we establish that JLo wants to bring Edward into her mind. They have oh, the, that's right. Yeah. They have the discussion that like they're going to lose funding because they're not seeing results. Yeah. And she goes, well, I think I could get better results if I could get him out of, she's like, you know, this is a thing in therapy, like take mm-hmm. them out of their comfort zone yeah. and force them to interact more. And she's like, so if I can bring him into my mind, I think I could do that. Adjusts and... glasses. What if we reverse the polarity? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yep. Um. So we establish early on that she's like, conceptually open to this idea yeah um, it's important later they also at one point talk about how like she's not like she had the the least experience but that made her the best candidate yeah of all the people that they interviewed for this program and stuff they had gotten like you know much more prominent and experienced uh psychologists and stuff and they couldn't handle the you know they were like oh they would just observe and report they wouldn't actually engage with yeah. any of these people in these spaces, and she was immediately different. Yeah, they were just doing Freudian dream analysis. Right. As opposed to being like, hey, hi, I'm in here, let's talk. Yeah. Right. I started to say this, I don't think she's bad in this, but I, I don't, It's she's very weird in this movie. Yeah, well... Because I think there's a couple of scenes where she's really dialed in perfectly. Yeah. And she really gives a really good performance. And there's other ones where I'm like, that was your, that was your read? That was your take? Like, mm-hmm. it's it's odd. 
it's almost like honestly i think she's and maybe this is a choice and maybe this is like a conscious choice yeah it's it's almost like she is better in the dream scenes than she is in the real life scenes i mean that's very possible like yeah and maybe that's a conscious choice like she's more comfortable there yeah than she is in like the real world yeah and i don't, I don't know what that says about her character really necessarily yeah. um at one point we see her at home in her apartment uh, she is watching Fantastic Planet, mm-hmm. which is a cool French, I believe, uh, animation, which is real weird. Yeah. Um, it's very also kind of trippy. And um, she smokes some weed. She has a um, one of those those pillows with the hand diagram on it of For like palmistry. Palmistry, yeah. yeah. And uh, she sets that like, you know, on her lap and she's trying to like get some she's trying to get into a good headspace to fall asleep Mm -hmm. Um, but she falls asleep and has uh, a nightmare about edward Um, and the only reason i mentioned it's not important to the plot but it's very cool looking Mm -hmm. um, because the camera goes over like her bed sheets yeah and then they become the sand dunes yeah and it's amazing looking yeah Um, and then yeah she's like calling out for edward and there's like a big log you know in that space uh that we were in in the beginning of the movie that like desert plain and she goes over to look and see if he's, like, hiding behind it or whatever. And um, he jumps out as the Mucky Lock, mm-hmm. which is him, but with, yeah, like, a little bestial face and, like, yeah, seal little, flipper hands. Yeah, he's got little kneel teeth. Yeah. It's creepy. Yeah. It's a good jump scare. Yeah. Um, I just mentioned it because it's neat. It's a cool, cool scene. Yeah. Well, also, I mean, from Tarzan's other movies, he's good at and likes doing these like weird transitions from like yeah. one material to another and a lot of like sweeping landscape yeah. shots and stuff yeah the fall his first feature length thing yeah. which I, we can't recommend seeing enough yeah no i love it yeah the <laughs> only reason we didn't do it because we were like oh we should do it's gonna be tarzan's birthday we should do a tarzan movie the only reason we didn't do the fall is we'd like to do that with a, a guest yeah 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 and i mean on top of it like that's one i think is a little thinner plot wise it really lives and breathes in the visuals that you get yes but the thing to remember if you ever watch the fall or if you've ever seen the fall and are unaware of this trivia is all those locations are real yep none of that was sets or anything and it's mm-hmm. it's incredible yep all that shit all that shit is in places you could get to on the earth yeah i mean some people are good some people will explore things and go to these wonderful beautiful places and other people will not because i don't know there's no doritas <laughs> can't get doritas there <laughs> So I won't go. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you kind of slipped into an accent there that you don't usually do. What, Doritas? Yeah, you don't say Doritas. I say Doritas all the time. Oh, whatever. Don't tell me I say Doritas. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So. Doritos, send us some chips. We're hungry. I do quite like Doritos. I will travel without them, but I do like them. <laughs> so if Doritos would like to send us some chips. I will travel without them, but I don't like to. Hey, as long as I'm speaking directly to the Dorito Corporation, can you bring back 3Ds but make them regular flavor? Because you brought them back and they had the weird flavors that were not as good. Uh, and, like, I don't understand why you did that. Just do the 3Ds. I really, really miss the jalapeno cheddar 3Ds. Also, the old do 3Ds them from, like, the 2000s were a different, like, size and texture than the ones now. Yeah, I don't get it. I don't get why you'd be like, hey, we're bringing back this thing you've been asking us to bring back, but it's a little bit... Di-. Like, what the fuck is the point of that? Yeah. Either bring back the thing everybody wants, or don't bring it back. But don't bring it back and then be like, but it's a little bit... We tweaked it a little. It's like, that's not what... Uh, yeah. Whatever. Yep. Don't make any sense. Yep. But then again, I'm not a Dorito millionaire, so what do I know? Um, uh, so, working with Vince Vaughn are Jake Weber, previously of our Dawn of the Dead episode. Yes. 
and Dean Norris, uh, yes. who I don't think he's ever been in a movie we've done, but uh, we're big fans. Yeah. He's Hank Schrader on uh, Breaking Bad, and he's in a ton of stuff. Yeah. He's also in Under the Dome as yeah. Big... Big Earl, Big Jim, no, Big something. Yeah, somebody. Yeah, he's the bad guy. <laughs> well, he's a bad guy in the book. He's a kind of anti-hero in the yeah. show. We liked watching Under the Dome, the television show, because it was a very easy drinking game. Yes. Uh, so if anybody um, has access to, I don't know if it's streaming or if you, like me, have some of it on DVD, uh, a really fun drinking game for Under the Dome is watch any episode of Under the Dome and drink whenever they say dome. And if it's in the second season where they have a mini dome, which for those listeners who are unfamiliar is a smaller dome inside the dome. It's actually in a barn in the dome, but you don't need to know that. Um, then drink anytime they mention specifically the mini dome because it's a dome within a dome. Yeah, well, I was going to say you drink twice for mini dome because, yeah. Did I say that? Did I not say that? No, you didn't oh, say sorry. twice. So, but the thing about, the reason this is the drinking game is A, you know, it's a word that's going to come up a lot. But B, when you really think about it, it's dumb as fuck that it comes up a lot in Under the Dome. Yeah. Because the plot of Under the Dome, small aside, a plot of Under the Dome is that an entire town in, I think, New England, because it's Stephen King, it gets, they wake up one day and there's just a big energy dome, an invisible energy dome that goes over the whole town and nothing can get in or out and whatever and whatever. Okay, so, fine. Even buying that conceit. The people in the town have to keep talking about the dome because it's for the audience to remind them that they're in a town in a dome they have to keep talking about it to each other as though they're not fucking wildly aware that there's a dome and it's like you live in a pretty small town like an average size you know mm -hmm. whatever it's like you wouldn't have, you know it's like oh man haven't been able to visit my aunt in a couple of weeks why is that jim oh you know because the dome oh yeah the dome and you're like you yeah, know shit what the fuck jim yeah. why the fuck are you not aware there's a goddamn dome my dude yep so the fact that they kept talking about the dome in, like, the fourth episode, I was just like, why would they still need to be reminding each other? Like, it would be the only thing you're talking about. No one's talking about, like, my dog did the funniest. Nobody. Nobody's talking about that shit. Because it's still only, like, two weeks into all of a sudden an energy dome appeared around our town. Well, and also stuff keeps happening where they're like, oh, wait, are we not going to have enough oxygen? Right. You there's, know? Yeah. <laughs> like... It's a whole, there's always new concerns. And it just, at one point, I just, it just flagged in my head where I'm like, Ben, they're talking about, they're saying this way too much. And then it was like, hey, we should keep watching it because it's kind of bad, but fun. But we should drink whenever they say dome. Yep. And um, you know what? Better show. I can't I, believe it got three seasons. It got three seasons. Um, The third one is like <laughs> wildly out of the park from the book because I read the book and the book is good. My thing is I wanted to write like a spec script episode of Under the Dome where the characters in it were kind of aware that people were playing the drinking game. And the whole subplot is because there were like some skateboarder aged teenager guys. And the whole subplot uh, would be that they are trying to see they, they point out like, isn't it weird that everybody keeps talking about the dome and having to having to say like, you know, the dome and having to remind each other of the dome since like we're all wildly aware of it. Uh, isn't that weird? And they'd be like, yeah. So then they take their little, you know, skateboard video camcorder and they go around town trying to get everybody in the town to say dome. And so the people playing the drinking game at home would be like, oh shit, we're gonna get wrecked tonight. All right. And then the whole episode would just keep cutting away whenever the skateboarder kids approach new people and were like, hey, so, uh, hey, Mr., you know, Mr. McGarnagle, uh, you know, this thing, whatever. And he'd be like, oh, uh, and it would just cut away. And everybody'd be like, ah, and they'd get serious dome blue balls. And then at the end, they show the tape, and it's just everybody going, oh, you mean the dome? Oh, the dome. Oh, the dome. And everybody would just be, like, chugging their gin and tonics or whatever. <laughs> that was my idea. He said gin and tonics, because that's what we used to yeah. drink with it, because we're fancy. <laughs> yeah. I like a good gin and tonic. <laughs> Me too. 
I'm a fine southern gentleman. <laughs> now hand me my Doritos. I'll take my Doritos on the veranda. It's not southern. What? Jin's British. Yeah. Southern British. <laughs> Clearly, that was the accent I was doing. <laughs> oh, boy. I, don't, okay. I mean, yeah, it's not inherently southern, but I don't know. Something about it always seems very, like, classy southern gin and tonic. I don't know. It just seems like it's, I don't know, it seems southern to me. I don't know. Okay. If you're if you're a listener and you're in the southern United States, do you drink gin and tonic? Please write in. Or if you absolutely don't because it's a northern thing, also please write in. I'm yeah. just curious. Good call. Also, if you've ever eaten Doritos and drank a gin and tonic on the veranda, please write in because that sounds like a dream. Speaking of dreams, this movie's got them. Good transition. Thank you. We also have uh, character actor James Gammon. Um, I he's in so many things that I literally can't think of any of them. Mm-hmm. But like that's just a face you know. He's a uh, you know like a little bit older actor, but like big heavy face, like big heavy like mustache and like big heavy features mm-hmm. and like he's got a great voice which I cannot Do. imitate. Yeah, yeah, but like he's also one of the like detective and detective adjacent guys. So they find a, they find another body, and it's got the albino dog hair on it. They cross-check with breeders and yada yada, okay, and they get an address for Carl Starger. Yeah. And they're like, oh, we gotta get there. And this is where, in the theater, I saw a shot, and I think my dad and I talked about this, actually, so if my dad's listening to this, hi, dad, you'll remember this conversation. But, like, this is a shot I don't think I've ever seen in anything before, where the camera goes behind the engines of a jet, and oh. you get the, like, heat distortion around yeah. it. Yeah. And I was like, I remember in the theater being like, that's cool as shit. Yeah. Um, little, and also little, very simple, and I'd never seen it. Yeah. Uh, also, a little later on when they're going to J-Lo's, like, campus. Yeah, when they're taking comatose Starger. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they have, um, you know, a helicopter starting to take off in slow motion and yes. stuff. And it's very impactful in a way that's, like, kind of hard for me to articulate. Because it's not like, this isn't like the super dramatic part. No, no. You know? But at the same time, it's got a lot of drama, and it's just, it's heightening like... It adds weight to it. Yeah. It seems important because we're slowing it down. Yeah. Which, you know, we talked about kind of recently with the Zack Snyder thing. Like, Zack Snyder, I think, uses slowing down a scene to a different effect. Yeah. um, Or or to different ends, maybe. Yeah. Um, Or, at the very least, he's accentuating weirder... Not weird, that's a judgment call, but different (laughs) things about a scene. Sure. Where, like, I think he's really highlighting it as a visual. Mm -hmm. Like, hey, looky, looky at this. Whereas Singh feels like he's using the visual to add weight. Yeah. Which is a fine line, it's a distinction, Um, but, like, it feels correct to me. Yeah, I mean, with the exception being, you know, the Immortals and stuff, he also utilizes slow-mo in there, but that's done much more for, like, a stylistic thing to have a, a another meaning. Yeah, it's it's got a it's got a story explanation in the yep. Immortals is that they're gods, so they move faster than humans. Um, but so it makes it look like all the humans are moving super slow, you and know, the gods but, are moving super fast. Right, and it's something that like isn't like not done. Like other people definitely do it, but like it's well uh, now that the X Men movies with Quicksilver yeah. have come out, and the Avengers with Quicksilver, and the yeah. It's become Justice League with more the Flash. ubiquitous. Right. It was less common when it was done. It definitely wasn't really done in a lot of the sword and sandals stuff. Right. So and it when it a... does, it was 300, which was just done for this arbitrary look at this visual thing. Right. Whereas in this, there was a story explanation for it, which makes it work better for me. Yeah. If you're going to do it a ton, there should be a reason. And the, and it's cool that the reason exists in the logic of the film. Yeah. Yeah. Tarzan Singh, just a smart director. Yeah. Like, he doesn't do magical realism, but he does very fantastical films because they're 
often set in these fantasy worlds well yes yeah well because i mean not even fantasy world because this is like it's the real world but there's like yeah a fantasy element within it much what are you talking about i mean like in comparison to like uh other directors that actually have like oh the real world but there's magic you know there's i know that but i'm saying like this movie has a a fantasy world in it yeah the same thing as The Fall. The whole thing's not a yeah, fantasy world, right. but it has a fantasy world in it. Yeah. And, you know, The Immortals is a story that's being told. It's a legend. So yeah. it's entirely a fantasy world. Yeah. Mirror Mirror is a fairy tale. Right. So the entire thing is a fantasy world. Yeah. Right, right. That's what yeah. I'm saying. Yeah. It's not magical realism. It's not a real world no. with fantasy, but it's a fantasy yeah. world. And then you started to say, no, not that. This, And I was like, wait, oh, what? Okay. Then I thought yeah. we were talking about different things. No, 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 no. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, so it's that, like, I, I mean, I believe he could, if he wanted to do it, I, he could probably do magical realism, but he just hasn't. He's done, uh, you know, fantastical things sometimes adjacent to real spaces and can play equally in both of these things. And it's something that I think is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You do it every once. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sh- I will make sure he gets a copy of this so that he knows he could try magical realism in the future. <laughs> uh, this is Vincent D'Onofrio has a seizure while he's in the tub. Also, the cops are showing up because they have his address. And when they get there, he's passed out uh, on the kitchen floor. When they, like, scope out the house, um, there's a funny... It just always kind of strikes me as funny. You know, they storm in. They're like, go, 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 go. This room's clear. Oh, blah, blah. And then one guy one guy goes in. He turns the corner. And, like, the dog is just sitting there. And it kind of looks at him. Like, and he goes, I got the dog! <laughs> like, I don't know why, but that always makes me laugh. And the dog's just, like, chilling. Um, but they go to his uh, second floor bedroom and he's got like a wall collage that like I've paused in the past and like and they, they go back to it in the end of the movie. There's a lot of visuals in there that you will see later in his dream space. Oh, yeah. And I mean, like there is a ton of this in the movie in general. Where yeah. There's seeding of yeah. later larger visuals. Mm-hmm. It's in just smart. This yeah, real space. Filmmaking. Yep. And his the basement of the thing is where he has like his little video village set up uh, where he can watch the tapes. I, I, so I think the implication is this is where he cleans the bodies. Yeah, he's got like dozens of because the um, table's bottle, there. You know, he's got dozens of bottles of bleach. Yeah, and yeah, it's it's you know where he's and like... that's where the rack is that he suspends himself yeah. from, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. He's got a doll collection, but they're all like some of them have been bleached or painted, and a lot of them have had their uh, the doll heads removed and replaced with like bird skulls. Yep. It's very nine inch nails. Yeah. Or Sandman yep. out of book covers, you know? Yep. Or Sid from Toy Story. Sid from Toy Story, or yeah. It's just like, ugh, somebody here is fucked up. Yeah, somebody here is, uh, needs to speak to the counselor. Yeah. Um, it's cool. He will. Yeah. <laughs> the infraction, which is really the infarction. We yeah. take him to J-Lo and... So you think they just were like, infraction's a word that A, people are a little more familiar with because it's used a little more mm-hmm. frequently, and also it doesn't sound goofy it doesn't draw attention to itself by being like that do you think they just changed it intentionally or do you think nobody caught like a typo yeah no i think it was that somebody fucked up um also honestly i think it might be the also i feel that infraction sort of also sounds like fractured in a fractured psyche kind of way even though medically it means different yeah yeah. yeah. that's what i mean but i i I think it might have been a conscious choice i don't know i i'm just speculating that like as a you know i know because i've i've read interviews with screenwriters and stuff sure they'll do things like that yeah to be like and this is too weird a term so i made up one or i I borrowed another word because it's something that more people would inherently understand yeah or i mean you know like the the pixies song that references the uh dolly video unshen unshen andalou yeah but the apparently the lyrics are kind of 
it's a it's a mispronunciation of the French, but it was because they said that it sounded better. Oh, song. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, I get what you're yep. saying. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it might be, yeah, stylistically in that way. That's, you know... Yeah, these are possible. Oh, yeah, because the song, they say, uh, Unchan Andalusia. Yes, yes. Or, um, uh, the U2, Uno Dos Tres Catorce. Yeah. Which is 1, 2, 3, 11. No, 14. Yeah, not yeah. 11. Well, that was also, because that was their, 11. that was also their 14th album. Oh, uh, okay. So that was both. Yeah. Bono's gonna bond, man. Uh-huh. Oh, you know what? I, I definitely remember that because I listened to all of you talking U2 to me. Oh, uh, okay. 100%. Yeah. That's why it's in there. I'm like, because I yeah. wasn't really into U2 at that point. Why would I know that? That's why. Yeah. Anywho. Hunter's not just, uh, you know, I don't... Oh, what was oh that? Well, like I do I do podcasts, but I'm not just the president. I'm also a client. That That's kind of what thing. it is. That's what it is. I'm like, what's the hair commercial thing? Yeah, hair club for men. Yeah. Yeah, I don't just produce uh, and make podcasts. I also listen to a ton of them. Yeah. Because um, I enjoy them. Yep. Because uh, honestly, and I, I might have said this before on, on an episode, mm-hmm. but like the reason I love bonus features, the reason I still buy DVDs currently in the yeah. year 2021 is like they have bonus features. They have special features. They have commentary tracks. Yeah. I love hearing people talk about a thing. Like, yeah. The stuff they made and the weird things that happened while they were making it right. and what they wanted to actually make but I then really, couldn't do or, yeah. you know, what they try to do and then it was fucked up but then the fuck up ended up being better than they even imagined yeah let's yeah. list every possible thing but i just i love hearing people tell an anecdote like mm-hmm. i like a good story i always have so that's why i like those and then that's also mm-hmm. why i like podcasts like we did that last night because we're as a household watching uh all the fasts and furiouses yeah we watched fast five baby watched fast five and on our dvd was like a uh featurette about the making of the bank heist scene which was fucking ridiculous dude like speaking of practical effects that fucking vault heist is incredible their sfx team made a drivable vault yeah. to get these things happening and then made a bunch of other ones that they could like crash through buildings and stuff like it is i Uh, mean just to put it out there it was built i believe the man's name was jack gill uh uh-huh built the thing by sawing off the back end of a uh, pickup truck heavy duty pickup truck yeah so it ends up looking like a smart car in a box yeah (laughs) and then yeah they built this frame around it and put a vault around it and then it was driven by a guy named henry kinji or kingi I took notes yeah. on it last night because yeah. I was so fucking impressed. Yes. And those things, when I write that, it, will end up in my letterbox review. That sequence is unreal, and then watching them talk about how they did it is mind-blowing. It's so cool. We didn't watch any special features about this, though. Uh, no, this disc really... doesn't have any. Oh, I don't God. think so. It might have a commentary track. Yeah. But it doesn't have, like, I don't think it has any making of stuff. Oh, boy. This is my old, like, bare bones DVD. There yeah. is a There is a Blu-ray of the cell available. I don't know what it has on it, but I was thinking about getting it. Yeah. Because it'll also, like, bump up the visual quality a little bit. Yeah. So. Which, I mean, that's the thing, is, like, just add, yeah. you know, like, there's a lot of very rich colors yeah. in this. Yeah. There's a lot of, like, playing with light and shadow in this. Chiaroscuro. Yeah. Just, you know, really, really sumptuous visuals. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. Um, Most of the movies he does do this. Where it's, yeah, it's amazing landscapes and it's so much brilliant color and motion and... Yeah, and things yeah. are... None of it's arbitrary. It's all... Mm-hmm. It's all designed. All these sets and stuff, they're color-coded the way they are 
for a purpose to yeah. convey different feelings mm-hmm. and everything which is like you know that that's done all the time in film more subtly this is very overt because it can be yeah i mean but again but this it's... is that echoes the stagecraft thing but it's overt in a way that's like still very confident and very um like well articulated as opposed to like some people that have done it less uh you know accurately or not accurately but like accomplished yeah i've seen people try to do like these big bold colors and it just ends up feeling loud not composed yeah Yeah, i mean uh you know dude works with amazing crew yeah uh absolutely and i mean yeah what we're saying to boil it down bare bones is this movie looked good yeah movie looked good y'all yeah watch movie because movie looked good you know and again if you like movie to look good movie look good (laughs) yeah even you know again gonna go back to like him doing camera tricks and stuff he does uh two like camera no three three camera flips that are almost like 180 in an arc over the action of a scene yeah the one is when uh j-lo is entering uh stargers head subconscious for the first time and yeah and she kind of comes up through water and sees a baptism and like arcs over Over the top of the entire yeah yeah um, and then back under. Yeah, you get Ugh. another camera flip like that when uh, she and Vince Vaughn are talking outside of the campus um, because she doesn't yeah. really want to go back in there. And he's telling her, like, we need this. And does his whole backstory about how, like, I used to be, you know, a DA and uh, this guy walked and, you know, the the girl that he molested, he ended up murdering. Yeah, he says uh, her parents came home and yeah. he slit her open and her heart was in the fridge. He's like, because he thought they'd like to have it. Yeah. And I was like, fuck, it's a, it's a really good performance. Yeah. From V. Um, Vaughn. But so, like... It's a little bit back... Uh, I just watched a lot of uh, Broad Church. It's a little bit Broad Church, where it's sure. like, because of some little fucking thing, you know, this guy who was definitely guilty walked free. Yeah. And it haunts me. Yeah. Which, I mean, that's a little less accurate, because they're like, oh, yeah, he, you know... It's the it's the whole thing of like getting off on you know ins- yeah and and insanity and stuff like that and it's like well no they wouldn't just let him go they'd commit him but anyway yeah, yeah. um but so in in entering that scene we see somebody sort of jogging around this like wall yeah and then the camera kind of flips up over the wall and we kind of go down into this little sort of like conversation pit area that uh she and Vince Vaughn are talking in. Yeah, it's um so I I wanted to mention that cuz I took note of that scene specifically. Oh. It's incredibly smart. Yeah. of of Tarzan Singh to have that jogger. Yeah. Because he wanted to do this interesting visual thing. Yeah. Starting on the far side of this wall and then going up and it's like mm-hmm. a second floor elevation sure. above Vince Vaughn and and J-Lo. Yeah. And so then it goes down on the yeah. He wanted to do that just cuz maybe he thought it would look cool and you know be interesting and that's what he wants to do in these real world settings whenever possible yep. but like he also by having that woman jog past explains what scale. that is yeah he shows you what yeah. that thing is for otherwise you'd be like what the fuck is this weird wall you know like yeah. and that would be distracting right but when you see somebody jogging you're just like oh this is on a weird jogging path maybe they're gonna jog past and then it starts to move and it's you know it's this other thing yeah really smart i yeah. just like yeah. i love good filmmaking man yep yep when she does go back in and she's like for the second yeah Yeah. for the second time and stuff and she's like in a box on what you think is a tower and then it's actually inverted and upside down yeah she's like in this uh in a glass case of emotion yeah um 
Probably, I guess, literally. Yeah. Uh, and it looks like it's on Oubliette, but really it's like... Yeah, it's hanging you know, from yeah. a spire, kind yeah. of. Um, and so, like, then the, the top of the box opens and she falls up out of it. Yeah. F- f- relative from... to the camera frame. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah, it's very cool. Like, there's a lot of that. Yeah. Um, in fact, when she first enters uh, Starger's mind, it's it's hard to describe, but there's the you're in this sort of catacombs-looking, like, area. It's this arc, like... Yeah, it's a lot of, like, damp stone. Yes, uh, rounded. It's mm-hmm. like, um... It's maybe, like, aqueducts or something. Yes. Yeah. If you imagine, um, a, a line starting on, like, ground level and arcing up, like, sort of like a conch shell. Yeah. And then curving back around, uh-huh. like, underneath towards itself. Sure. That's sort of the shape of this, like, weird arch. Uh-huh. Um, and when the camera starts, it's... It's, like, uh, 45 degrees or something from that. And mm-hmm. it, you, you have no context for what you're looking at. There's just shapes. Yeah. And then the camera, like, you hear it. It ticks, like, click, 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 click. And then, like, when it settles into what will be the bottom of the frame and the top of the frame, it goes, like, clung. Yeah. And, like, it's just very disorienting and very interesting. Yeah, there's also a lot of, like, decent... The music, like, the scoring didn't really stand out to me much. Not too much. There's some. But... There is a lot of use of sound and absence of sound in various areas. Like at one point, Vince various Vaughn, areas. Well, like Vince Vaughn's character is being tortured at one point, yeah. and so the sound is very like he's um, he's turned all the way down. Yeah, yeah, like he, you know, everything sounds very fuzzy and far away, and and everything. Yeah. It's, it's the audio version of, like, in a dream if you've ever tried to punch somebody. Yeah. And you can't actually do it. Your arms feel like wet spaghetti. Right. It's kind of that. Like, he's screaming because he's trying to get, uh, you know, Catherine is uh, J-Lo's name. Yeah. He's trying to get her attention to get her to help him. Yeah. And it's just coming out like, you know. Yeah. And, yeah. And I was like, oh, it's so, that's so fucking, it's chilling. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. Meanwhile, D'Onofrio is like, he, he's, I refer to him in my notes as King Starger because it's the dominant twisted personality of Carl, of the character, you know? Oh, I had him as other voice. Okay. Because he starts off being another voice and then kind of becomes more personified. Yeah. Yeah. But there's Carl, who's the boy. Yes. And then I would say there's Carl Starger, the man, at one point. And then there's King Starger, which is the crazy, you know, demon kind of. Yeah. But he's there. He's got... I can't even describe, like, it's a crazy outfit. Like... Every time he's on screen in the uh, yeah. dreamscape, this it's is, a crazy outfit. This is kind of, um, like, a, a weird uh, be- belted sort of jestery looking, like, medieval sort of, like, pantaloons and whatever. Like, that kind of, like, belted puffy looking outfit but he's got like a kind of crown design headdress thing and a cape yeah and he has removed uh some of some of vince vaughn's guts and put them on a like rotisserie with spikes Mm -hmm. on it and he's cranking it and it's making if i'm not mistaken music box noise and he's going like and he's just like making weird little chirpy like noises and Vince Vaughn well, is like screaming and nothing's coming out kind of. He was also singing the, the little do- lambsy divey. Yeah, yeah. The, the dozy goats. Is that what it's called? Maybe. I know it, but yeah. I don't know what how you would refer to yeah. it. Yeah. Which he also did earlier in the film when he was in the tub before he had his uh, in paroxysm. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, uh, it's just it's so crazy. The the bed kind of the platform that Vince Vaughn is on is shaped like a giant cross yeah. because on either sides of him to hold the rotisserie for his guts 
are two giant golden seahorses. Yeah, I don't know what that's about. I don't um, know. Um, but the bed, like the the above the bed, like a canopy bed kind of thing, is all like sand dollars it's not sand dollar but yeah it's like thousands of shells of i forget or something but yeah. yeah yeah it's, it's... and they're like lit from behind like from yeah. within so it just seems to glow it's all gold oh, yeah it's so good yeah um based on a true uh form of torture yes as we see like yep. uh, in the postscript kind of uh he's got a photo of like a painting of someone using this torture device and that's where it came from. And I love because, like, Vince Vaughn is, like, helping, you know, comb through the crime scene. And he sees it. And he has this. It's just a very good look on his face of, like, oh, that's where that came from. Okay. Like, it's just kind of like, well, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's good, man. You find out Carl's whole backstory, which is, like. He was horribly abused as a child. Very Yeah. His, his father was physically abusive, beat him, burned him with an iron. Like, it's awful. Mm-hmm. Um, J-Lo at this point is locked in this dream closet and she's trying to get out and she's standing in a bucket of eels and there's a painting on the back wall that becomes a window and then she just passes through the window and that's into the REM uh, video set which is Stargirl's first victim yeah um, which is like him like you know vivisecting her in a tub and he's like sm- smoking he's got big rubber gloves on and um, Valentine the dog is a little puppy and yeah. at some point she uncovered like she figures out that the first time that he heard Starger, the King Starger, other voice thing was during his baptism. Uh, he had like some kind of seizure. He thought he was drowning. You know, nobody reacted because it was a baptism and maybe also because his father's a lunatic. Yeah. And then after that, he was, you know, it was always a part of him. Always this like voice in the back of his head, that kind of thing, sort of. Mm-hmm. It's It's interesting stuff. It kind of toes the line between like like possession imagery and you know sure yeah yeah, yeah i don't know it's it's it, yeah it's very cool it's you know i don't want to like make light of uh any of these things but like it's it's cool it's really interesting yeah they did some foreshadowing with uh when they're explaining what the whole setup is for going into people's dreams kind of uh to vince vaughn he goes hey what's that there's a third station over there mm-hmm. and um they're oh, like that yeah, couldn't we... possibly be important <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah and they're like oh we tried doing um Joint, joint therapy but uh, uh edward would only respond to j-lo so you know we stopped um which becomes important because j-lo of course gets fully drawn in to starger's world mm-hmm. uh so vince vaughn has to go rescue her uh his entering into the dream thing is like extremely 2001 like jupiter and beyond the infinity kind of yeah that's where you get most mileage out of your like cg yeah, the, those transitions are CG augmented. Yeah. There's an amazing shot, um, speaking of CG augmentation, where um, Starger is, like, sitting on this throne, um, and he's got big old, big pants, <laughs> um, but he's got this cape yeah, that's, well, like, attached to his shoulders on the... Yeah, on the, yeah like, it's big purple fabric that it's attached to the, um, the piercings that he has for his suspension. yeah. And he, like... And it's almost, it almost looks like he's attached to the wall, but when he stands up and starts walking towards J-Lo, they, the fabric detaches from where it was held and stuff. And so then it's almost like he's got these big purple, like, wings, wings behind him. It's yeah, crazy. and they're, like, unfurling across rollers on the walls and yep. stuff. And, like, that's CG augmented. And to be honest, it doesn't look great, but... It's used it's still to incredibly such an impactful. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's still, like, you're just, like... Yeah. blown away by it yep it's so good yeah 
Also, he's got a very rich internal life. He does. Because, like, you'd see, like, he had kind of, like, a, a shit, maybe, like, southern childhood or something. Yes. Like, yeah. That whole baptism sequence looked like something you'd get in Louisiana or something. Yeah, I definitely saw somebody um, drinking a gin and tonic. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and then, you know, you see, like, the house that he grew up in, I guess, is, like, nothing to write home about. But then anytime you see this, like, other person... You know, the King Starger and stuff. It yeah. is a lot of this very royal, regal, sumptuous imagery yeah. that isn't reflected in any of his real life. No, and Starger in his own mind is mostly represented as the child. Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's that there's multiple elements. But yeah, I guess like, yeah, the root person is, yeah, his inner child. And then... You have this other entity that is taken up residence due to his, you know, illness. Yeah, and like the oldest that we see, Carl, like Root Carl, is his first kill. Is yeah. that you know that that flashbacky thing in the Losing My Religion room, which is Vincent D'Onofrio, um, looking like Neil Young. And well, there's also the end where he's telling the story about the bird. Oh, that's and true. He, he yeah. becomes an adult while he's telling the story and then flashes back to being a kid. That's true, yeah. But I, I but I was just going to make the point that I think that, like, after that was kind of when he feels like the King Starger personality became more dominant. Mm -hmm. Like, that's, you know... Sure. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. I might be reading too much into this. It's sort of inviting those, those kinds of comparisons and stuff, like any of these types of films do. Is yeah. that, you know, you're trying to make sense of evil and you know subconscious yearning and stuff like that yeah we are uh speeding inevitably towards the thrilling conclusion of the cell it's true vince vaughn rescues j-lo from mind jail um while he's in there he sees that like because they're they're continuously trying to ask like inner child carl like hey do you know where he keeps the women he takes yeah because... there is a cool very cool sequence uh i forgot to mention this uh, where J-Lo, in her, I think it's her first dive in, she thinks she's found, like, where he keeps, you know, like, or something that might lead her to where he keeps her, them in the real world. Yeah. She's like, oh, these are his victims. Yeah. And they are, but it, it's sort of like what the victims in the real world are trying to represent. Like, it's his views of, like, women and femininity, kind of. Sure. So there's, like, a bodybuilder woman. Uh, there's one who has, like, an anime face mask thing on, like, big eye face mask, mm -hmm. uh, which reminded me of the AFI Girls Not Gray video, yeah. uh, which I believe has a similar, like, effect. Mm -hmm. um, uh, yeah, stuff like that. Um, you know, one of them is, like, bleached white and kind of looks like uh, yeah, the girl from Diantward. Uh, it's a very, like, fucked up, like, fun house of dark sexuality kind of thing that we're doing. <laughs> Is it no, not? that's a very good description. I, well, it's just like, but I it's mean, also a good description for, like, I don't know, the next Rob Zombie album. Well, and I mean, like, more, um... Mudvayne. Like, Ooh, it's Mudvayne. <laughs> more, more symbolically, a lot of these women are bound and are in these sorts of things where like they're being moved like puppets yes yeah there's a lot of doll imagery yeah yeah obviously mm -hmm. in the real world uh at starger's home the table in his basement has this symbol on it like a logo for a for a company yeah and it's uh called carver is the name of the company mm -hmm. uh and so it's like imagine three hash marks like when you do the one two three four and then the fifth is a cross you know so imagine three hash marks and then a C, 
but each hash mark getting closer to the C is progressively like slightly curved. Yeah. yeah I mean, yeah, something like that. And that's, that's the symbol for Carver, the company mm-hmm. and Vince Vaughn, while he's in there, uh, rescuing JLo sees that symbol like repeated on a couple of things, like on, you know, pattern on this like ornate wall or whatever. And he's like, Oh shit. You know, I know I got an idea. So he, and he pulls JLo out. Mm-hmm. Uh, he grabs her hand and presses the tab of acid and uh, they escape. But she has promised child Carl that she'll help him. Um, and she thinks she can, but her big, you know, plan is the same sort of thing that she, you know, they foreshadowed earlier mm-hmm. with Edward is she wants to bring Starger into her mind. Yep. Um, because reverse she'll, the polarity. Yeah, reverse the polarity. She'll have all the power, theoretically. Uh-huh. But they're saying, like, it's dangerous even, you know, with Edward. That's why we have been reticent to try it. Yeah. Um, and she with goes e- hella rogue. Like, she yeah, with, but with finds... but personality every- as strong as Stargirl. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. But so, like, she finds everybody's notes, and she finds, the, like, cocktail of, like, neurotransmitters that she needs to be the hosting personality or whatever. Yeah. And, you know, gets that all set up and then, like, locks everybody else out of the, like, suspension room, I guess. Yeah. Um, so that she can, like, go in and, you know, get him into her head. Right. The room, in my notes, I refer to the room that has the the Carver thing on it as possibly Stargirl's trophy room because... Oh, in his head? Yeah, in his head. Yeah. Because, like, the the main thing is, like, there's a, a woman, a pale woman with, like, black eyes and black, a black mouth, like, you know, um, swimming endlessly in a tank. And then there are, like, uh, two other, like, CGI, like, rotating cubes, kind of like the one that J-Lo was in mm-hmm. that we mentioned earlier. But they have what is very clearly, like, a representation of, like, video screens yeah. showing women and you know the women in the tanks in them so I was like oh this is like his subconscious like his trophy room kind of thing because mm-hmm. that's yeah you know yeah that's where he mm-hmm. keeps them kind of yeah uh yeah i just thought that was interesting yeah as set dressing it's not just a random weird room they designed like it has it seems to have some sort of psychological oh, representation absolutely because like the space in you know, in, in the part before where you have like these, like, again, puppet women, I think is more of a general representation of, you know, his sexuality and feelings towards women. Yeah. And then this other space is much more, yeah, personal and based in memory rather than in these, like, yeah. you know, more abstract ideas. Right, right. It's this less, is this is much more like it's less symbolic. Li- right. Yeah. It's also very serene. Yeah. Yeah, it is. As opposed to almost every other part of you know that we see of his psych- uh, subconscious is like menacing. It always yeah. has a weird element of like. Yeah. So this the the floor yeah. is water, but then it has these big, broad, flat, like sort of stepping stone platforms. Yeah. To make the floor, and it's almost like a museum installation. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Which is represent, representative yeah. of how he, you know, how he continues to view his victims after they're gone is through those mm-hmm. tapes, you know. Yeah. Oh, that weird, I mentioned that weird shape of the, the aqueduct or something when she first arrives. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the same shape as the, um, like, display uh, that Dylan Baker and uh, 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 um, Jean-Baptiste, uh, they, like, monitor her. It's the same 
like shape of the monitoring display like to show that she's synced up or whatever it's that same sort of like arcing mm. Trying to think of it's like half a teardrop kind of or something sort of. Yeah, I mean, well, like their display is supposed to be like a human brain and showing different parts that are lit up, but in a very rudimentary kind of way. Yeah, and that Um, that one main shape where they're like, okay, she's in or whatever. And that also probably has a lot of like echoing of art because you have the golden ratio and and that's representative in a conch shell, not conch shell, but in a shell where, um, you know, it 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 in decreasing size um still maintains uh, a similar ratio throughout the spirals yeah fractals yeah so everything yeah so yeah i mean it's just interesting yeah so yeah um bup, bup, bup. So, uh, so yeah, yeah vince vaughn clues the cops into the carver thing he calls uh dean norris and he's like figure this out <laughs> You know, I'm always happy for more Dean Norris. Dean Norris, you know, figures it out. You know, I don't know. It's the end of the movie. All the things are falling into place. Um, so, yeah, J-Lo goes rogue, as you mentioned. She brings Carl into her mind. And her mind um, is very, like, Christian religious. Yeah, I mean, they show her um, kind of right before that uh, getting ideas for a couple of images. And so, yeah, she's dressed up s- almost like a saint. Um, yeah. You know, there's a lot of, like, snow and cherry blossoms. And, uh, you know, uh, it's very, like, um, soft. Yeah, there's a pool. There's, like, a soft focus yeah. on the, the camera and stuff. Um, um, and when she starts talking to Carl, she's like, you know, you're in my you're in my place now, Carl. Like, you're safe here, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, this again cg but like it's really good and interesting this filigree starts to like grow across the screen yeah uh you know and it's just like so pretty and such Mm -hmm. an interesting thing yeah i think this is where it maybe starts feeling the most like kind of bollywood yeah 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 um which is something that does creep into tarzan singh's uh expression every so often yeah there's a there's a full-on like bollywood style dance number at the end of uh mirror mirror yep and i am a hundred percent here for it it's super good (laughs) super fun uh yeah um and you know and so yeah uh boy carl changes into adult carl but not uh not king carl king starger yeah. yeah he tells her about uh being a little boy and finding a bird with like a hurt wing or something and he takes the bird in but then he sort of realizes that if his dad finds the bird he's going to do something awful to it so he drowns it to save it and you know kind of is like you know now you have to save me yeah um, and she's like i won't do that and also maybe puts uh a further coloration on you know some of his artwork and stuff of these bird elements on these yep. dolls um and, i mean maybe that's and we how... saw the the women with the bird heads like dolls and yeah. things like yeah that's what i'm saying but... he's preserving them yeah i mean so maybe that's like a way that his you know main personality is trying to uh rationalize to himself what yeah his other urges are causing him to do sure um but yeah so anyway um so you know he's like oh yeah you have to save me and she's like i can't do that though and then um, uh, the King filigree Carl, starts to yeah wither wither yeah. which is great um the lighting changes yes it just get it gets more like um sodium yellow like <clears throat> mm-hmm. yeah uh saturated and then king starger appears in the form i like to refer to as gator starger oh i thought snake yeah sure 
but um, yeah. he's got this weird cape that has like a snakeskin or scaly like sort of look to it um and then his face he rises up from the pool and it's a great like close-up like macro photography like you can see the water like sluicing off his head um yeah he's got this like sort of again gator or snake like pattern and a weird unibrow yeah (laughs) and um he just looks so cool and scary yeah Uh, yeah but he's in her space now so then she kind of turns into wonder woman yeah i wasn't sure if this was like i was i was trying to like see if i could find um, a mythological um you know comparison to this yeah i didn't find much that like felt right wonder woman well, yeah, but so yeah, she she uh, adopts kind of like a a darker colored persona. She's in like darker clothing. Yeah, it's maybe got some red accents or whatever. And her hair is and, darker than yeah. usual. Yeah, and she's got uh, a golden crossbow that she's using to, you know, uh, pin him down basically. Yeah, she fires it like into his foot while he's running, and then he's pinned. And you know, they they do a lot of really cool stuff augmenting uh, yeah. Vincent D'Onofrio's like voice and. Mm-hmm. You know, he, like, makes these monster noises and things. Yep. But I think they were mostly D'Onofrio. They just sort of fussed with him. They didn't, like, go in and add Godzilla noises over top of him. Yeah, like... no, I'm sure. Um, we're also kind of going back and forth between the, like, interactions in the mind as well as the interactions outside. Because um, Vince Vaughn is racing to save this, the the last victim. Yeah. Um, Who we've... we've periodically popped in with and her tank is slowly like really filling up with with water yeah it's on like a timer thing where it'll uh be adding increasing amounts of water at increasing frequencies with an automatic shutoff um now she's smarter than your average bear so she found a a like pipe that wasn't fully shielded that she could use as a breathing tube yeah but that's only buying her but so much time right um and yeah, and so yeah, Vince Vaughn's in a helicopter. They're trying to go because they found out that Starger has a connection to an abandoned farm or yeah, something. Basically, the farm went under, and they hired Starger to close up the property. The property, and he instead used it to make a kill room. Yep, underneath like a grain silo or yeah. you know whatever. So yes, yeah, so we're going back and forth with like you know the race versus the fight. Yeah, she pins. Starger down with uh, some some crossbow bolts like in his arms or shoulders, mm-hmm. and um... oh, there is a detail that I think is important to note yeah. is that um, so when she and Vince Vaughn were both in Starger's mind, um, she kind of like snaps out of it and stabs King Starger to help Vince Vaughn get away. Yeah, this is when he's and, having his guts removed yep, on the rotisserie. Yep, and then later on in that scene, she hugs little Carl, and her hand comes back bloody, and so she kind of has, like, the the realization that, like, they're linked. Yeah, it's setting up that they are linked, yeah. Yeah, and so at, well, and so, I mean, I feel like that's important, because, like, at this point, yeah, like, she's, she's gonna stab him, and she kind of Well, she knows. does stab him. Well, yeah, and she knows, you know, she has some in, inkling that this is going to be bad for for boy carl yeah um yeah she pulls a sword from behind her back and stabs him in the chest and like cranks the sword around yeah. and i do kind of wish the sword was a little bit bigger so that it was a little bit more of a gag but that's just me yeah i wanted her to pull a gigantic sword out of nowhere yeah her final <laughs> her final look doesn't have as much like weight 
No. And that might also be that it's, you know, it's in her mind rather than his. Like, her wilder costumes have been in his mind. Like, when she's in somebody else's mind, she's at their conceptual whim of what she should look like. Well, the thing is, I, fe- I feel like her saint outfit is a bit more fully fleshed out, but this isn't. Yeah. And it might be that she's tapping into a part of her personality that's not uh, as accentuated. Like, yeah. she, as a character, doesn't seem to have as much, like, rage. It's more sadness and goodness. Yeah. Because, like, yeah. you know, you get, like, a, th- you know... Uh, Vince... She wants to help everybody. And... Yeah. Um, Vince Vaughn has, like, a thing about, like, oh, you know, she had a little brother who died, uh, and but he was in a coma for six months before he passed away and everything, and that she'd still been dealing with that trauma. Yeah. Um, That's how he breaks her out of, like, Stargar's... Uh... Control. Control, yeah. yeah. Uh, and so, like, you know, so she is given, like, a slight tragic backstory, but it's... Yeah, everybody in this has... Yeah. Yeah, but it's not really one that, like, lends it to, like you know, righteous fury or anything. Yeah. And yeah. so I think that that maybe fits with this being like kind of a weaker avatar. Sure. Because I just it's... think it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, certainly. This is the thing. So we debated on this. Um, she stabs him and he's, he's got these, he's got these fake gator teeth in. Yeah. So he kind of has to talk like this. And plus he's got a mouthful of blood. Yeah. And so he says what I, after some thought, um, assumed was saying, me, God, boy. Yeah. Boy, me, God. And you said you thought it was the same way that Edward had his, like, persona yeah. called, like, the Mucky Lock or whatever. Yeah. That his name was, like, me, guard. Yeah. Or something. Me, guard. And I was like, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. I don't know which it is. The IMDB says it's this, but it's IMD fucking B, so, yeah. you know. Yeah, whoever posted that said me hyphen God. Which, I mean, yeah. Like, you know. Yeah, and that's the thing is I was like, I was like, well, the me and the God and the boy, like, maybe there's like a Holy Trinity thing, but I was like, but they're in her head. That's where all the religious imagery comes from. There's not really as much religious imagery with. No, there's just the baptism. Just the baptism. That's, that's it. And yeah. yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I don't know. When you said that, uh, or his... maybe it's me guard boy, boy me guard, like guard it, like they're li- oh, like something. Oh, okay. So that would be more interesting because, like, so this this it's it's the like common thing in movies where they make schizophrenics out to be, you know, potentially murderers, and that's not right. really true. No, no. I've known um, I've known many schizophrenics yeah. people on that spectrum who are. Yeah not murderers yeah no it's a chemical imbalance it doesn't mean that you're gonna murder people no um of course not but also with the way that this is manifesting it's also a bit it's almost like disassociative identity yes disorder where something very traumatic happens to you and you end up with like like a fragmented personality and you have other facets of yourself that can hopefully weather things better but then you you know, don't necessarily have, like, as much control over how you're responding to things because as soon as something's a threat, then part of you is switched off. Right. And another part of you is, you know, dealing with it. You know, so me guard <laughs> would be an interesting, like, you know, expression of that as that, like, it's, you know, even though it's this facet that does these terrible things and is itself kind of terrible, terrible. it's done 
as a protection. Yeah, it's a survival instinct. Yeah, so I don't know. I, I mean, you know, again, like, it's... it's. And also, the movie is not trying to make any any great, like, impactful statement on mental illness or anything like that. No, But yeah. it's interesting that this stuff is in there. Yeah, it's that pulpy it... kind of version that we yeah, do yeah, yeah. with a lot of this stuff. Yes. Um, and it's not a realistic depiction of any of this. Mm-hmm. Um, every time I have, you know... <laughs> gone into your mind with your therapist uh, or gone into someone different. else's mind yeah 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 uh-huh it's also way cheaper yeah because it's just mushrooms <laughs> speaking of i'm gonna put i I'm, knew I'm he ch- was my brother i knew he was i knew he was my brother that's, that's, that's my another favorite video you're gonna have to link yeah, to. yeah yeah it's a really great nicholas cage video where he talks about how his cat ate some of his uh, psychedelic mushrooms and rather than let his cat trip alone uh, which he thought would be fucked up. He took the rest of them, and then they tripped together. <laughs> that's why I think I might have mentioned this on the podcast, but if not, like that's why Nicolas Cage is the dude. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I knew he was my brother. Uh, I will try to find that video. I'll try to share it uh, uh-huh. on the Twitter because it's really hard to share videos and shit on okay, Instagram. Fair. I guess. Yeah, sure. Um, they don't like links on Instagram. Fuck Instagram. I don't give a shit. Bezos. No, that's not Bezos. Who's the Instagram one? The Facebook guy. Yeah, I know. Uh, Tom. No. Oh, that's MySpace. Yeah. Why am I forget? Oh, God. The social network's right Social network, too. yeah. Yeah. Duh. Lex Luthor. Fuck oh, you, Lex God. Luthor. <laughs> Wait, it's not? Yeah, it is. Yo, they look the same. Oh, boy. It's oh, fine. Fucking... Um, so... Oh, God, I can't... <laughs> it's funnier yeah, if I... I... It's funnier if the fiction is I think Lex Luthor is responsible for Facebook. <laughs> This is a new bit. Welcome to the bit. Do not correct it. Hello. So. All right. Um, I got it, but it's for fine. me. Yeah. They, you, you know who he is, or you don't care, like Hunter. Flex Luthor. Yeah. <laughs> Are you sure? I'm going to do a side-by-side. Lex Luthor and the Facebook guy. They look exactly the same, which proves Lex Luthor's the Facebook guy. Because um, we're both Jesse Eisenberg. Yeah. Okay, okay, I okay, got... okay, 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 okay. <laughs> I referenced the movie, The Social Network, before you went and said he was Lex... God damn it. And I watched those stupid movies. We already talked about (laughs) Zack Snyder. Fucking shit. This is where the podcast falls apart. (laughs) Because we we tread too close to the Zack Snyder again. (laughs) God. Um, (laughs) But anyway. uh, It's a shame he only made that one movie. it's, It's good. (laughs) <laughs> oh, I heard he's going to make another zombie movie. It looks pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Get, so, get back to your roots. Two movies. My dude. Um, <laughs> oh, that's what I wanted to put out in the universe. So there's a... a the new Ben Wheatley joint is called uh, Into the Earth. It's a, a movie made during pandemic. I don't really know that much about it, but mm-hmm. I do know that to promote it, um, the, the studio is sending out like promo items like they usually do, you know. Uh-huh. And for this movie, it's a log. That grows that edible mushrooms. It grows mushrooms if you put it in a damp place and whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, I would like that. That seems cool. But also, Ben Wheatley, my dude, hook me up with that good, good log. You know what I'm saying. thought those ones grow in shit. I don't know what's in the log. <laughs> I don't know how. I don't. I, I do. I, I will fully cop to not understanding log technology. Tech log. Anyway, I don't. Don't do that. But. <laughs> Lognology. <laughs> but then we oh, hit, hit me up with that good, good log. You know what I'm saying? 
Wink. Um. <laughs> so you've solicited for people to send us actual fact stacks, fat stack, fat, fat, fat stacks, uh, fat stacks of cash in our mailbox, yeah. and then also for Ben Wheatley to send me that good good log. Yeah, yep. psilocybin mushroom log. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. We're a cool podcast. <laughs> you should want to be our cool friend by giving us money and drugs. <laughs> And, and Doritos. Doritos. <laughs> Which we're going to want after Yeah, after the drugs. Listen, but to be fair, if you give me the money, I can buy my own Doritos after I take the drugs. <laughs> Send me a log that grows Doritos. I don't know how it works. I've never done any drugs. <laughs> <laughs> she's high now. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> no, she's not at all. We're drinking coffee. Yeah. It's pretty early. It's the soberest I've been. All right. Um, so after that aside. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, so, you know, J-Lo looks over. Child Carl is there uh, and he is dying. Mm-hmm. She goes over to comfort him and then she takes him back to the pool mm-hmm. and drowns him the way and... that he had asked, which is reminiscent of the baptism and it's all very interesting and symbolically bookmarky and you know mm-hmm. and it's really good i mean it's really good and it it and rewards like we talked about before when you die in the dream you yeah. die in real life so yeah he flatlines yeah but it rewards multiple viewings too to really like because there's so much they're throwing at you visually that sure. like it's easy to kind of not connect things even though they're there yeah and they're obvious and they're there for a reason it's mm-hmm. easy to be like oh i didn't put that together because there was just so much yeah um but yes, uh, so while that is happening, Vince Vaughn, you know, f- finds the trap door in the ground and goes down into the human aquarium room and the, <laughs> the girls, you know, breathing through that pipe uh, up at the top of the tank. And mm-hmm. like, you know, he's he's got his badge pressed up against the tank, which is great. And he's like, go back, swim away from the thing. Yeah. And she does. And he just pulls his gun out and fires. And it's a great it's CG, but the camera is in the tank and he fires and then like the bullet hits like right in front of the camera lens and like starts to crack yep. fires a couple more times it's runs out of bullets it. It, yeah. it's ricocheting around the room he's in danger yeah it's a great very tense sequence yep it's cool shit uh and then he, he like pulls a big like iron bar or something off something and uses it to smash the tank and he climbs in because there's it doesn't matter but he climbs in there uh and you know he's like this girl's like freaking out. He's like, "It's okay. You're like, you know, you're you're safe. It's fine. I'm Vince Vaughn. You might mm-hmm. know me from Swingers. <laughs> Your money, baby. It's fine." Uh-huh. And then we do like a. You've really dodged that wrench. <laughs> <laughs> That's another movie that Vince Vaughn is great in without trying at all. Yeah. He tries not a bit. He just showed up every day and was Vince Vaughn, and it was great. Yeah. The movie's really funny. Yeah. Dodgeball, in case. Dodgeball. It's got Alan Tudyk being a pirate. It's got Alan Tudyk being a pirate. Everybody in that movie is funny. I love Alan Tudyk so much. <laughs> that whole movie is funny. Rip Torn. Yeah. Just being legendary. It's just like, yeah, everybody in that's really good. That movie's great. Okay. Yeah. There's also, okay, bonus, bonus th- recommendation from Hunter. If you're ever watching Dodgeball, uh, the scene um, at the bar where the purple cobras first show up and they intimidate, uh, you know, Vince Vaughn's team, the, the big, uh, the big brick shit house Russian lady, mm-hmm. she fucking like destroys a guy with a dodgeball, mm-hmm. like a guy in the bar. And then they cut back to like a reaction shot, uh, of like 
I think it's like that guy like slumped against the wall or whatever. The camera is shaking super bad because I think the cameraman was fucking cracking up. And they left it in and it's so funny to me. Hunter always notices when the camera is shaking because somebody's laughing and when extras in the back are looking at the camera directly or trying not to look directly at the camera or wearing something weird or whatever. Yeah. Oh, or when they have a dancing scene but didn't have real music and everybody's a little off time. Yeah, you can tell when people are not dancing to the music because they're all dancing alike, but it doesn't match the song. So it's not like somebody's off-tempo. It's they're all off-tempo. How is that? Oh, because there was no music. Yeah. Or they were playing music that was a different tempo. Than what they ended up using. Yeah, exactly. Yep, and it's like, guys, I don't know. It's not that hard. Whatever, whatever, whatever. This is I just hire me, hire me. You'll never have these problems except the shaky camera. I'm leaving it. It's always fun. It's always funny when you can tell the cameraman was laughing. <laughs> I've never once liked a movie less because I noticed that. Never. Uh, um, so yeah, we get like a postscript, um, which is like Vince Vaughn, who is now a civilian because he's on like sus- not suspension, but like a wait. Yeah, he's on he's on leave because this might have been uh, a bit a, much, a bit much for him. And um, and uh, he's but he's at Starger's uh, house, like combing through. That's where he sees the the photo of the painting from like a magazine um, with the gut rotisserie, and he's it's called talking an, to Jake Weber. It's an intestinal crank, Hunter. Intestinal crank, yeah. Yep. Um, he's talking it's to Jake Weber, and um, they look outside, and J Lo has pulled up, uh, and she's got Valentine the dog in the car with her. Mm-hmm. I hope he gets along with her little orange cat. Yeah, she does have an orange boy. Yeah. Um, we, here at, at Mount Mausoleum House, uh, we have two orange boys. Yellow Kitchen Studios, Hunter. Well, yeah, but the, podcast. the Yellow Kitchen Studios is located in Mount Mausoleum. Okay. Um, it's not just a free-roaming kitchen. I don't know if we explained that to people. That's fair. And but part it, of our branding is Yellow Kitchen Studios, sir. Oh, I know. But Thank you just so much. To be clear, it's not some sort of free-roaming kitchen, like, I don't know, SCP Foundation thing. Okay. Or like a meal truck i don't know (laughs) yellow kitchen studios on wheels yeah podcast and pancakes coming to you this week we're setting out and diners drive-ins and also a podcast on wheels i don't i can't do a guy fieri he seems like a nice man all right (laughs) he also says money baby a lot yeah vince vaughn i bet hang oh that'd be fun yeah that would be fun Um, Vince Vaughn's like six foot five though So like he towers over Guy Fieri How many friends do you have That are exactly your height No no not exactly I'm on the taller end of the spectrum But like a couple of them tower over me Sure I'm not saying that that affects their friendship I'm just saying it would be fun to see It's like uh, Monsters Inc Uh, But Vince Vaughn goes out and talks to J-Lo The party line is that Uh they didn't actually gain much from uh, well, the, going into the mines. The it FBI was just party that, line is that it, it wasn't even a thing. Yeah. That was, they gave him drugs and it unlocked a memory he already had. Yeah. So, because that was part of um, her funding maybe being pulled was that there's like, oh, there's been no, uh, you know, evidence that what you're saying is happening is even happening and right. if it's helping and stuff. So... And, and it was like, oh, well, this will legitimize it. No, it won't, because... The FBI's not gonna, whatever. Yeah, the FBI's not gonna back her up on that, and uh, she uh, definitely killed that serial killer. And she went rogue to do it. Yep. Although, I mean, you know, I guess that cuts both ways. She's never gonna get convicted for it if they can't prove that shit's real. It's true. 
Um, but so she, you know, bids uh, Vince Vaughn a fond farewell, kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, and we shan't meet again. We shan't meet again. Turning my worst goodbye. Mm-hmm. But then we see that she is, you know, doing another session with Edward, and she brings him into her mind, and it's the same like, sort of setting. Yeah, well, with, it's it's like a blend of yeah. his scape and her scape, where right. it's still the desert, but now it's, still it's the got desert. some the trees uh, are alive now, trees yeah, and uh, snow, yeah, and, yep. and, and everything. And um, but she's in control, so she's you know, she takes this like toy boat and sets it in the tree, and she's like, "Come on, Edward," and, and that, I mean that's kind of where it ends. It's a it's a hopeful note that like she now understands everything better, and maybe she can help this boy, mm-hmm. and that's that's where it ends. Yes. So w- one thing I did want to mention, I think Vince Vaughn did a really good job in the one scene. Um, it's the, you know, we mentioned the jogger and the big pan over and they're outside in this little uh, uh, area outside, little like... Yeah, it's like a patio yeah, kind of thing. or something, you know. Yeah, they're obviously... they're going to work- say atrium, but that's specifically inside. <laughs> yeah. yeah, not right. Yeah. Planetarium. Yeah, um, sure. They, because uh, the dream machine fucking, you know program is obviously located at a medical facility so there's this like outdoor relaxation area kind of thing that has like uh some running water and like a bamboo wall so it's supposed to be mimicking nature in this you know area to be more relaxing and whatever anyway that's where they have the scene um where he kind of lets on about his tragic backstory the broad church kind of backstory Mm -hmm. but she also asks him like she's like oh so you think that like you know he says a child could uh, endure you know, way worse than the the one guy that, you know, got oh, away, yeah. you know, and grow up to be somebody that would never, ever hurt another living thing. Yeah. And she goes, you seem pretty sure of that, you know, and he's like, I am. And Yeah, they do seem to imply that he had further trauma. That, right, that something you know. happened to him. But I also, I think he really fucking nails that scene because he doesn't lay into it too hard. No. It's very, like ambiguous, like, he plays it as though it could just be a thing he believes or it could be a thing he believes because it happened to him right or somebody he was close with like there's right. a lot of you know, right 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 yeah. like and he doesn't lean one way or the other too hard and it's really good yeah and i've seen i've watched it a bunch and i always really like that performance sure um so that i just wanted to mention that i think that's really you know very good yeah yeah mm-hmm. um as we said ton of great character actors i think we mentioned all of them mm-hmm. um yeah hunter is a big I love, I love character, character actors. actors in general. Because yeah, I want to, I want to, you know, I want to be in movies, but I'm not going to be a leading man. I ain't got time for that. Also, my teeth are weird, <laughs> um, and not in a Tom Cruise way. Uh, so that ain't going to happen. Nobody's going to put me on a marquee, but I could be a character actor. But yeah, uh, I think that's it. Yeah. Um. I mean, maybe one thing. The uh, screenwriter was Mark Protosevich. He's. I mean, he's worked on a bunch of. St- he's like a major screenwriter. His, his his writing credits include, like, Old Boy and I Am Legend and the first Thor movie and stuff. So, I mean, like, he does, you know, a lot of big Hollywood films. Um, apparently, they really messed with his original concept, so he's not uh, as big of a fan of okay. the result. And I, I, it, I always wonder about that, where I'm like, okay, like, are the parts that I'm having problems with as far as like cohesion, would they have been better if it had been truer to his original right. script or not? And yeah, I mean it's hard to say. Yeah, um, and like who knows? Like maybe his thing was just a procedural, like Silence of the Lambs. Like yeah, 
you know? Yeah. Like, maybe it was just like, oh, I wrote this really cool, you know, really gritty, like, yeah. and I mean, like serial killer thing, and, and they were like, hey, let's rewrite it and add a dream machine. Yeah, I mean, there was definitely, um, like, a, a, a bit of, like, playing with the edit as well to yeah. maintain an R rating, and uh, there was, like, this whole other thing where apparently um, the his his uh, final victim or something like that, it's something Hicks or whatever. Sure. Doesn't um, matter. Yeah. I don't remember the actress's name, but apparently, like, she was a very strong swimmer, so she was, you know, great fit for being in a water tank, except that uh, she couldn't actually, like, swim without holding her nose. So <laughs> they ended up cutting out bits of her in the tank because they couldn't use all that footage. So I mean, I don't see why. Yeah, so she was going to have more of uh, more screen time, possibly, except that, like... Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, I don't know. That you just know. seems like a real thing. Yeah. All right. But yeah, so I mean, like, stuff like that, where it's like, okay, like, you know, life gets in the way. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Sometimes your, your uh, you know, the way you envision a product isn't how it ends up working out and stuff. And, yeah, I mean, you know, it's the oldest be... story in Hollywood. Yeah, sure, sure. But yeah, so like, you know, I always, I always wonder, um, yeah. you know. What if... is from what draft? Who's right. responsible for right. the stuff? Yeah. Right, Um, Because like I said before, this isn't my favorite Tarzan Singh film. Mostly because of the uh, content and the violence, because I don't think, like, he does this fine, it's just, it's not something that I particularly relish from him, or in a lot of my movies in general. Yeah, no. But yeah. it was 2000. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, again, it's it's still just amazing <laughs> in a lot of ways. So, yeah, I, uh, you want to speed ahead to final, final verdict? Sure. To ahead. me, it is a great watch. Everybody should try it. It's not like my most recommended of, you know, his films. But if it's, you know, something that sounds like it's your cup of tea, then definitely go for it. It's not going to it's it's like, again, yeah, it's in that Silence of the Lambs kind of thing where it's just got so many impactful visuals, although it's not as like literally dark as that. <laughs> It's, sure. It's got a lot more like color and style in a way that you don't usually see for these types of films. Agree. So, yeah. For me, uh, it's also a great watch. I think this is like legitimately a great watch. It it's a little dark, you know, subject matter wise. It's a little heavy. It's not for everybody, and it's a little era appropriate two thousands. You know, edgy. Like there's it's a serial killer thing. We were you know, mm -hmm. I and mean, we still are, but it's, yeah, we've smoothed it out. It's less um, yeah sensational now. Yeah, you know, whatever. But. But yeah, this definitely veers a little closer to taking lives than to oh, silence boy. the lambs to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, but I, I still I think this is a like legit enthusiastic great watch. Not just like, oh, it's not bad. It's sure. it's really yeah. worth checking out, if only for the visuals. It's mm -hmm. fabulous looking. Yeah. I, I think before I, I said that The Fall was Tarzan Singh's first movie, I think I always think that that's not true. This was his first movie. Okay. But yeah, this was his first movie. He had done music videos and, and commercials before this. Um, he did The Fall in 2006, uh, and Immortals in 2011, and then Mirror Mirror in 2012. Those are the ones I would definitely recommend seeing. After that, your mileage may vary. Um, he's only directed one film since then, mm -hmm. uh, Selfless, which is, uh, I believe, a Ryan Reynolds uh, thing, which is uh, just, I, I, I watched it to cover it for my, um, you know, my article, and yeah. it's very by the book and lacks a lot of the punch visually that his stuff has There's moments, but yeah, it's your, uh, you know, classic, uh, bourgeoisie, uh, sci-fi. Sure. Thing, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Using the bodies of, uh, you know, yeah. young pores. To... Yeah. <laughs> to let the rich olds live longer. Yep. 
Yeah. Um, so it's got that same sort of feel as like Elysium or, yeah, you know, yeah, some of the other stuff. But yeah. Elysium has more, much more of a visual language. Oh, certainly. That yeah. sets it apart. Yeah, it's the thing. Selfless is very. Um, it's contemporary, so it looks yeah. like everything around. Yeah. You know. And yeah. the direction is not bad. There's moments yeah. in it that are very good. Like I said, he... D- don't they end up in New Orleans? Sure. In that? Yeah, but, um, it's, but it's just New Orleans. It's just... It, New Orleans looks kind of cool. Yeah. That's it. Like, there's nothing in it where you're like, oh, it looks great. Like, I can't tell you about any specific scenes in it. I just remember being like, oh, there's some stuff in it that's okay. Yeah. Um, but it's not great. Right. And then he apparently directed 10 episodes of something called Emerald City, which was a TV series oh! in 2017. Yeah, that was a miniseries that was on the Sci-Fi channel. Okay. Okay. Never saw it, so I can't speak to it. Um, and then since then, a Lady Gaga video short. Oh, of course he fucking did. Yeah, which, <laughs> you know, tracks, and I bet it's cool. Um, yeah, he's a director that, like, honestly, despite, you know, anything else, like, if you put his name on something, I'm at least 40% more interested in that project. Oh, absolutely. Like, no matter what it is. Yeah. So, Hollywood, maybe hire Tarzan Singh if he wants to work. I mean, I don't know. Maybe dude wants to retire. I don't know. But whatever he wants to do... Maybe let him do it. Yeah. That'd make me happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, great watch. Yes. But yeah, thanks for doing this with me again, uh, the two of us. Yeah. Yeah. Two years on the air. Yeah. I'm, I'm proud of us. Yeah. Uh, I know we talked about this on the two-year episode, but today is actually that day, so I'm proud of us. I think yeah. we did a good job. So, if you're listening to this episode, maybe go everywhere, because you got fucking time. Go to all the places that we are, Facebook and Instagram and all that, and like us and follow us and share our uh, posts and uh, tell your friends and go to like Apple podcasts and all those other podcast podcatchers and whatever and give us five star reviews and you can We've say, never asked for this before and hey, now we're asking. I think we for have, it. but like you can give us a negative you can say negative things, but please give it five stars. Yeah. You can be like, I don't know, he's annoying. Yeah. He's always asking us for money and drugs, but mm-hmm. like five stars. <laughs> she talks too much. Yeah, yeah about like, things whatever. I don't care about. Yeah, be like his, and the swearing. His Philadelphia accent is just <laughs> atrocious. It's horrible. <laughs> it hurts my ears. Uh, but you know, yeah. but still five stars. That's all yeah. I ask. You can be as negative as you want, as long as it's like legit and earned. Yeah. But five stars. Yeah, do all that stuff. You can follow us on social media at HWGW Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can email us at write, hate, watch, great watch. That's W-R-I-T-E-H-W-G-W at gmail.com uh, with questions, comments, concerns, suggestions, uh, requests, whatever. I'm Recipes. Not, yeah, I'm not saying we're going to listen to everything, but hmm. we will read all the emails. Yeah. It might take us a little while to get back because um, I forget to check that email sometimes. Offers of good, good logs. Yeah. Oh, yes. Please send me the good, good logs. Ben Wheatley, my dude, get in touch. Wink, wink. Catch us on Movie John or wherever you get your podcasts every other Wednesday. That's every every other other Wednesday. Wednesday. And thanks for listening. Yes. Bye. Bye. Happy birthday, Tarzan Singh. Oh, yeah. Happy birthday, Tarzan Singh. Bye. Bye. I always said there was a bit Conan did on his uh, late night show one, one once years ago where he briefly played like a pimp mm-hmm. in something and they used like 
uh, Curtis Mayfield's like Superfly like score in it. Oh it's goddamn hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, if I can find that video, if it's still up legally, I will try to share it or whatever. But mm-hmm. it's great. And I was like, oh shit, that's exactly the role I want to see Conan play, mm-hmm. like in a movie. Um, and then that never materialized because Hollywood never called me. Yeah. Because uh, I would write it, mm-hmm. and it would be amazing. Be great. It would be just like Black Dynamite, except it would be very, very, very white dynamite. Mm-hmm. 